When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Very big week in banning that I think is inappropriately being called censorship and an assault on free speech. I think there's hypocrisy everywhere. Let's dive into it. Okay. So the news for those of you who may not have heard that I that I think is most interesting in the last couple of days is that Parler, which was a quote unquote free speech app, but in practice was the place that a lot of conservative voices went when they were banned or restricted on Twitter, Facebook, and some people went in preparation, uh, was blocked from the Apple App Store, brought blocked from Android, removed by Amazon, which mm-hmm. owns, I think, one third of the servers that essentially make up what you can see on the internet. Uh, allegedly, their lawyers are leaving them, not necessarily because they don't believe in their case, but because there's been threats of reprisals if they represent them. They cannot get people to associate or do business with them not necessarily because of first order, I dislike you, Sorry, but because saying, of second order. You're saying major law firms won't represent them because their other clients will leave them for defending Parler? Or, or there will be some sort, yes, some some sort of, uh, it's not worth it for me to touch you. Not because I don't, not because I think you have leprosy, but because someone else thinks you have leprosy and I can't. And for people that don't know, the reason Parler is getting so much <laughs> attention is because when Trump got kicked off of Twitter and Facebook, that was going to be the place that he went to communicate with his audience. So, you know, this was going to be a place where 100 million people instantly were going to join because it had a use case, which was, we won't censor Mm -hmm. Trump. What the CEO said, which might be wrong, it's coming out of his mouth, he's the only place he's getting any coverage is Fox News these days, (laughs) uh, (laughs) is that the day they went down, they were number one on the App Store, which is... is I'm sure. Which is also, what a... I don't know how this doesn't make Apple and the rest of them think we're going to get slammed for antitrust for taking down an alternative social network when they're trending number one. But not Apple, but like Facebook and Twitter for all of the. Uh, I guess I guess it's well, separate it's things. They're, they're not, blocking yeah, they're Trump. Not. Apple's blocking them. Technically, it's it's not the same business. Yeah, yeah, they're fine. Yeah. Twitter is Fair going. Point. Twitter's going. We have a competitor. It's yeah. Parler. Yeah. <laughs> well, Parler failed. Well, that's yeah. not our fault. They couldn't follow Apple's terms of service. Sure. And by the way, uh, Apple isn't actually saying that Parler can't exist or shouldn't exist. They said that they're violating our terms of service. So mm-hmm. we're, we have to discontinue people from downloading it until they clean themselves up. Got it. So, so Twitter, Twitter can just go, yeah, look, if they could just get their terms of service straight, <laughs> they could totally exist and be yeah. our competitor. So let's, uh, we've laid some of the groundwork. Let's talk about the philosophy. So what I see is uh, a lot of unprincipled discussions happening. Mm-hmm. It, it's very interesting to uh, see people calling out the other side for hypocrisy gleefully while seemingly ignoring the way that they felt six months ago (laughs) about about similar issues. So 
The one thing that I want to start with is that I don't think this is a free speech issue. Uh, as far as I know, free speech is protected by the government. And mm -hmm. what it says is that you can speak, you can verbally express yourself, and you do not have to risk fear of governmental jail or, or other restrictions imposed by the government. Yeah. In Australia, if you write a Facebook post that says you're going to have a uh, anti-COVID lockdown rally, the police will come and arrest you for, because, your, for your Facebook post. But because in, you're not protected by free speech. Yes. In the US. Facebook just takes you down. Correct. But you mm -hmm. are not. There's no police coming to your door yes. because of something that you write. Unless I guess it was explicitly, I'm going to murder Charlie mm -hmm. at this time with this weapon, you know, mm -hmm. but yeah, you can write something that people disagree with and not go to jail. And this is an important, important distinction uh, because obviously scale matters, but I we have a website and a comment section, and I love that I am not beholden to do business with people that I despise, mm -hmm. uh, allow for comments of people that I despise, allow them to upload on my channel if mm -hmm. I despise them, and I could imagine if I created YouTube, Twitter, I might feel the same way about the product that I created, which yep. is I dislike you, I have my own reasons that need not be justified, and you don't belong here, and that has nothing to do with your free speech. I have the right to free association. I'm not going to associate with you. Just to be clear, you don't have a website. You need WP Engine, WordPress, yeah. Amazon Web Services. Yes, so, who, who have elected to partner with me. Yeah, but it's important because one of the things that happened was Amazon said they're going to stop providing servers to Parler, right? Yes. That's huge because that goes beyond Twitter and Facebook. That's Amazon now saying we aren't going to allow your site to exist mm -hmm. using any of our technology. For people that don't know, Amazon powers like a shocking amount of the internet. It's like a third, yeah. So that's pretty big because now actually we don't have a website. We borrow a website yeah. from the good graces of WordPress and Amazon. And should they decide that they don't want us to, we would not have a website. Yes, but I just want to make clear that it's not a free speech issue. No, no. Which is I just so, want to make clear we don't have a website. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> we just, borrow. Nor do we have followers, and it's been made abundantly clear who owns these things yeah, in the last exactly. few days. We so, exist by the grace of the tech gods. Yes, and it's not just YouTube because we've talked in the past. YouTube censors a lot of things. YouTube could kick you off for any number of reasons. But worst case scenario, we have an email list, unless our email server provider doesn't want us to have emails. Correct. We don't own anything. Mm -hmm. We only exist because of a variety of tech companies. Yes. So now what I want to do is, okay, it's not a free speech issue. I think people should stop saying that it is. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's still not a problem that we might want to change. If it, Even though it is not technically protected by existing law, the question is, should there be some sort of digital bill of rights yeah. and what is protected? Oh, I know. If I like what it is, don't <laughs> censor it. But if I don't like it, Censor it. Yes. How do you feel about that? Well, let's even step back. Now, the ostensible reason that they're saying they had to take it down is because of violence and threats of violence yeah. and because of sedition and uh, it was treason. It was, it was helping people to organize violence. Yes. I think was the the reason it was. Yes. Parler was taken down. And a lot of people have pointed to similarities with the protest over the summer with Black Lives Matter that resulted in predictable violence. I don't even think we need to go there. I think I can point to the Arab Spring, mm -hmm. which was several years ago. It was everybody's darling. It was undoubtedly treasonous, seditious, unlawful activity yeah. to overthrow a legally 
a legal government. Give a give a rundown on what the Arab Spring is. The Arab Spring was a, uh, it was in 2010. Okay, so I'm I'm not even that expert. It was it was across uh, the Arab the Arab world, which was Egypt. I think it was Syria. I believe Tunisia. It was several different countries. Uh, that had uprisings within the same yearish period mm -hmm. that were largely facilitated by communication on Twitter. Yeah, because the government, because the government, when, the, when people started to rally and started mm -hmm. to have protests and started to organize, the government cut some of the local that they were stuff. able to control. Yeah, yes, they shut down the means of communication that they can control. So people couldn't organize, but and Twitter allowed these people to organize their basically protests against their government. And they over they toppled governments in cases. Yeah. And Twitter was so proud was the arab <laughs> spring nonviolent it was very violent oh, okay. thousands of people died mm. it so violence apparently not a problem in some cases sedition treason apparently not a problem in some cases uh my point here is not that twitter should have blocked them it's that they should stop saying that they have a policy against violence mm. what they have a policy against is violence that they don't sanction mm. but they wholeheartedly support violence that they do sanction and in fact that was like isn't this a miracle like that we were able to support these uprisings uh it was, it was something they were very proud of and i just think we need to be clear that when tw it's it's kind of like having a speed limit that is you know whatever 30 miles on a highway accepting that most people do 60 and then just pulling over the people that you want to, which is people say is a problem in America. That's these exactly days. what they do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like we don't want to do that. You don't want to set a low bar that you're not actually going to chase and then selectively enforce mm. that from happening, which is what Twitter is doing. Now, to be clear, as a private company, they have the right to do that. Yeah. Are you sorry? What you're saying is people should just be cautious to full-on chug the propaganda Twitter's saying, which Don't is- Don't believe it's about violence yeah. or treason. Because- It's not. When it came to the Arab Spring, they were totally cool with violence and helping organize it- Yes. For the overthrow of governments. Yes. Yeah. And, okay. I, and I, I think if there were violence with a Trump victory, uh, I think that if the Russia comments that were spread over Twitter for four years resulted in a large gathering that resulted in a dead police officer a dead protester and three people that had heart attacks and strokes, I don't think Twitter would have gone on a purge to mm. shut it down. Uh, I feel very confident that they, in fact, would not have yeah. because it was important. So you're saying Twitter has a bias. They're allowed to have a bias. Totally. But we should just recognize this isn't based on the fact that someone used Twitter to organize violence because historically Twitter's been fine with that. Yeah, and they will continue to be fine with yeah. violence. They will... They will continue to be fine with violence. I mean, Got people, it. multiple people, it's it's old It's old hat have pointed to the Ayatollah's account being on there where he's like, the only way to deal with Israel is to eradicate it. It's like, if that's not a call to violence from somebody in a position of power, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what is. Yeah. Uh, but again, there, and whether they, and even if they took down the Ayatollah's account, uh, they they do not evenly enforce the restrictions on violence. It's, sure. it's, it's very evident that they care about certain types of violence more mm. than other, but they're allowed to. I don't need a good reason to take someone's comment off of my stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't need a good reason to not let someone into my house. I don't need a good reason to do this. But what we have done in America starting maybe before this in the 60s is say that businesses can't discriminate on certain characteristics. Mm -hmm. And I've actually always been confused about this because it, it, it tore at me. When I look at the civil rights uh, movement, we look back on it and we love it. But it's it's a huge government governmental reach to say 
you have to serve these people that you really hate and dislike. And we all are supporting it because we feel that the reasons that they disliked those people were completely unjustified. But we haven't accepted that the form of that argument is that the government can tell you who you have to do business with. And I wonder if the government should be saying who we have to do business with today in the same way that they did. Well, the Democratic the president and the Democratic Senate are probably unlikely to say that Twitter has to of do course, business with of the course. right. I'm just thinking about it. So let's even step back. The civil rights, this has always been something that I felt conflicted about because obviously I would have loved for there to be cultural change. Like I would have, I would have loved a, a 60s that bottom up, people are like, fuck this. Why do we have colored and segregated and all these yeah, different Yeah, we're roles? all equal. This is we ridiculous. Should all be in the same restaurants. You can sit here. You yeah. can, I wish that that had been the case, yeah. but it wasn't the case. And so the government said, no, you have to let them into the school. And not only school, you have to let them into these private businesses as far as i can tell you have to you cannot discriminate in hiring in your private small business yeah. you are not allowed to discriminate on these factors well i think the government was on the impression and i think correctly that mandating that would accelerate the cultural acceptance of course that when you're because now all of a sudden you're interacting i mean this is kind of how i feel about if you just took a bunch of crazy extreme left and extreme right uh you know whatever it is civilians and you just put them into a building for a year they they'd either murder each other or they would humanize each other you know what i mean and so i think <laughs> when they put when they put black people and white people together it's like oh this is just a person i have been inventing differences between them but now that i see them every day in school mm -hmm. same same so i think the government did that because they went listen you don't think this is the case but you're actually going to get along if we force you guys to maybe i i don't know their reason but i just know that they did Mm -hmm. And I and I don't know that I agree or disagree. It's and the reason is not because I don't agree with the content of what the government did. Yeah, it's because I don't know that the I want the is. government to tell me up, upon what things I am allowed. And I'm imagining this is not me. I'm just I'm imagining the super religious person who believes that homosexuality is a sin that is going to take potentially everyone alive today and cast us into an eternity of hellfire if we don't deal with it in a way that is by not accepting it. Mm -hmm. And so this person, in their utmost attempt to be a good per individual, does not want to associate with people that are casting the entire world <laughs> into an eternity of hellfire. And the government says, uh, no, you're wrong. You have to. And if you don't let them work for you for that reason, uh, we're, you're going to face sanctions or, you know, essentially the police can put you in jail because if you don't pay the sanctions, then we're going to put you in jail. Um, should the government be able to tell you what is right and true in terms of who you can as associate and who society needs you to associate with? It seems like the Civil Rights Act was a good thing, like 60, 70 years later. And I wonder if the same, some sort of protections aren't needed for political differences as well. Now, what you're saying that the government should step in and say, you guys can't discriminate based on color, based on gender, based yeah. on sex or based on political, political affiliation. affiliation. And honestly, it might even already be written into the Civil Rights Act. I don't know what it well, is, but- I'll counter argument though. Uh, Twitter would tell you it's not based on political of course, affiliation. Of course. It's based on inciting violence. Yes. That where there's a million Republicans on our platform that do not get censored, that do not get blocked, and that are welcome to say whatever they want, mm -hmm. as long as it's not organizing for violence. Mm -hmm. So Twitter would say they're not violating that. Yes, yes. I agree that, that that's how they would um, 
describe it. Now, well, it's also true. I mean, they're they're not kicking off more than 0.001% of Republicans. Correct. Correct. They are, it appears not, and I could be wrong about this, uh, the QAnon purges. Like this, this is a harmful ideology. I know that (laughs) people are going to freak out when I say this. There are harmful ideologies that exist in the world that are very popular. Uh, Many of them are religious that explicitly say what you should do when someone leaves the religion. Take uh, Islam, you know, that has that has rules around how apostates are to be treated. Now, not every Muslim follows them, believes them. They think it's it's a completely antiquated and wrong part of the Quran, but it is in there. And there are these subsets of people that I believe have not been purged from Twitter for that. I could mm-hmm. be wrong about this. Um, and so that it is not evenly they're taking away the fringe of the Republicans. But I don't know that they're evenly taking away violent fringes of other large groups well, actually, of people. I think they might. Uh, they my may. guess, my guess would be that Twitter does it when they think it's good and doesn't do it when they think that it's not good, which Correct. is to say if somebody tweets and says, so for instance, hypothetically, if there was a Muslim NBA player who said that he was leaving the religion and someone tweeted and said, everyone who believes in the Quran needs to go to the NBA stadium on this day and we need to kill him. Because that's what is good. Twitter would probably take them all down right mm-hmm. now. So I actually do think they would get that fringe. Mm-hmm. The question is, what if someone said something homophobic? What if Tucker Carlson said something homophobic and people were tweeting saying, everybody needs to go to Fox and we need to kick down the door and drag Tucker Carlson out by his hair and stuff a microphone down his throat until he apologizes? Yeah, yeah. Would that get taken down? Almost certainly not. I mean, Ray, that, so that's I think a better. Reza Oslin has several. They're like, if if they do, if they do this, we burn it all down, you know. And he's he's a prominent figure. Sure, sure. But I'm saying I think it's important to recognize they would take down the Quran one. I think mm-hmm. because the ideology of Twitter does not does not support <laughs> religious agree. penalties. Sure. So they would actually that's a fair point. Say, oh, you can't threaten to kill people just because the Quran says so. But they yeah, wouldn't yes. say oh, you can't threaten violence on this person because he said something homophobic. Yes. They would say, we don't see any problem with this. I, That's my guess. My guess I is think you make a good point, yeah. Within the ideology of Twitter. That's a good point, and, I, and you're right. They, they probably would enforce um, v- religiously, inf- religious violence would be something that they had no tolerance for, mm-hmm. but anti-racist violence would probably be something that they had more tolerance sure, for. homophobic violence. Yes. Yeah. Or sorry, anti-homophobic violence. Sure, or, or at nature. the very least, rhetoric around that, like burn it all down, you know, things things that don't explicitly call for violence, like Donald Trump didn't explicitly. He just said, we all got to get here. It's really horrible what they're doing. They're stealing art. Like, he didn't say, go grab Nancy Pelosi and stab her. Right. He just incited it. And you're not excusing him, but no, you're just saying, you, no. if you look for his mirror from the left you will find it people saying we got to burn it down we got to mm-hmm. do this we got to grab him and yank him by his hair out of office yes. i bet you even found people saying that they should assassinate him i bet you people tweeted that they should assassinate the sure president. sure and and i'm gonna allow for smaller ones but i i bet you there's prominent people that have made statements as inciting as trump that have uh the potential to cause as much violence as that, which, by the way, is one lar- large mass gathering of angry people. Like, how many people on Twitter have the power combined to create large gatherings of angry people? Saw a little bit over the summer of of that that is not 
an impossible thing for mm-hmm. many people who are not the president of the United States. No, I, think, I mean, listen, we, not to be that. The, 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 yeah, it's just how Twitter, how does Twitter feel about what you're calling for? Yes. So this is, I guess, where I stand is um, trying to look back at this week and see if there's any principles that I can pull out of it. Yeah, don't tweet things Twitter doesn't like or they're going <laughs> to censor you. Well, it's that power. And I don't think Twitter's bad guy. You know, I don't. Th- I don't think they're bad guys. They're, I think they're doing what they truly believe is right and necessary. Yeah, yeah, that's the point. They is, only block the violence they think is bad. Yeah, they, the violence they keep up, they think is good. And so do I. It's like I'm anti-violence, except when I'm pro-violence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's times when I go, well, this is an exception, and clearly I have to. You know, I have to. And I wouldn't have justified someone doing it in a similar situation, but their cause was not as just as my cause is. And uh, I think when everybody lives in a world like that where they have excuses for the cause themselves that they are certain are well justified Mm -hmm. and not that same extension to the other side what happens is that whoever has the most power just gets to can condone allow the violence that they support yeah yeah. (laughs) Uh, and so then it seems like the most genius thing that the founders did is be like okay we can't just have one power we at least have to disseminate power so that there is, uh, so that it's not one worldview unchecked deciding what is allowed, what is not allowed, yeah, yeah. and what will be met with violence. So, on the one hand, I'm kind of happy that the government has found it's almost its equal in these tech giants. Well, they're allies, though. For the next right four now, years. they're allies. Yeah, but that's four years, man. You, they'll diverge very, very soon. Well, the tech companies will try to make it harder for them to diverge. Mm-hmm. They would like to help next election. So, but here's the thing. We have, we already have this problem. Like Citizens United exists, which is to say that moneyed interests. Listen, problem is a judgment. Yeah. All I'm saying is I think if the big tech companies had all wanted Trump to win, he would have had a better shot to win. I think it's safe to say that he would have won. Okay. So in four years, they're still going to have their same ideologies, which means they're still going to influence the elections, which means... It might not be just four years. It might not be Biden, but like you're saying, it's just four years. Once the Republicans in there, we'll have two superpowers with different ideologies, the president and the big tech. And I'm saying big Mm -hmm. tech is going to try their hardest Mm -hmm. to make sure that does not happen. Well, you know, I guess what a lot of people would say that I I guess has some merit is that the president uh, is a figurehead picked by heads of industry for four years. Mm -hmm. And that's been true prior to big tech. You know, Mm -hmm. Citizens United essentially said you're allowed to buy presidencies and Every bank and everybody said, we'd love to. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. We, that's great. Monsanto said, hey, we have the right to, I don't know, Seed? vegetation. <laughs> yeah. I see why no one should have any plants unless they pay you. Yeah. So I guess what this is, is it's just the entrance, uh, or the, the thunderous entrance of a handful of giant players that are like, oh, by the way, we'd like to uh, completely dominate the electoral process. And it's not just going to be you, Goldman Sachs. And, and they you. have just, they happen to have a more direct access to the voter so monsanto mm-hmm. they will throw money as much as possible to getting a president that helps their company but there's a cost which is interesting they have to spend the money right yeah. and well facebook and twitter and youtube and all of them they just have more direct access monsanto had to go through a process to try to turn their money into swaying voters what's interesting is yeah monsanto has to buy ad space on NBC to say this politician is bad and voted for X, Y, Z and hates freedom. And that's how, you know, they can get you to vote for their guy. But what 
YouTube or Facebook can do is like, how about we don't spend money but just tweak the algorithm or tweak our terms of service? And it's like, this is going to cost us nothing. Well, Google did it and have and have a more dramatic effect than buying commercials. Wasn't it? Didn't Google not even dispute that that they affected what happened if you Googled Hillary Clinton during the election? I don't know if they disputed it, but it seemed undisputable because I mean, I, the little test that we ran back in the day and on several computers, which is you just type in Hillary Clinton and see the, you know, type in like the beginning of the words. I forget if it was Benghazi, but like it didn't autocomplete, which mm -hmm. is to say, you tell me nobody has searched for for this. It was just goofy. Um, they had decided that that someone had decided that that didn't count. And, and there were similar things where if you did, you know, Donald Trump uh, scam or hoax, which they came up and with Hillary Clinton, it didn't in the same way. Um, yeah, they, it, it, I, I don't know how that story shook out, but I remember yeah. running that little test. No, it's interesting. I started re, uh, listening to, I guess, 1984, cause all this is happening and mm -hmm. it's really fascinating. And I, I highly recommend it if people think that they're getting reliable news from anywhere. I don't care where, I don't care if it's CNN or Fox or Ben Shapiro or Sam Harris. Just if you think you're getting reliable news, it's worth giving 1984 a listen because they have something called the Ministry of Truth. Yeah. And the Ministry of Truth says that what they do is make sure that the populace is getting the truth. But what they do is they write the truth and they rewrite the truth. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's happening today. You know what I mean? Well, I think so. it's, what's interesting is all of these analogies. I've heard the Reichstag. I've heard 1984. Both sides of the American political divide are using the same analogies because what's you know 1984 is about governmental overstep and they're yep. saying Donald Trump is the ministry of truth and then of course the right says Twitter and Facebook are the ministry of well, truth. Well yeah so I mean this is why some of our commenters yell at us for being centrist but I think it's both sides. Mm -hmm. But I do want to address that real quick. I've seen that as a complaint that we're centrists or moderates. Just to be clear that's not because I look at what the sides are and then I try to end up in the middle. It's because I think the far right is wrong and i think the extreme left is wrong <laughs> so so if i thought that there was somewhere that made more sense that's where i would align mm -hmm. the fact that i seem like someone in the middle isn't because i saw the two destinations and then measured out how to get to the 50 percent mm -hmm. line and i actually don't think i'm there yeah you know uh i think everyone should give at least 10 percent of their income to charity that's an extreme view that most people don't do. Like I'm, I'm about to potentially go full vegan. I've been pescatarian for a couple of years. I don't. That is not right. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Like exactly. And I think, but I'm not going to make everybody. Well, sorry, it's not moderate either. It's I an think everyone else should too. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, we actually do have extreme <laughs> views. So to the extent that we come in as moderate on something, it's just because I think that other people are wrong. It's not because I think the best place to be is the middle of two arguments. Sure. Um, and we could talk about where we sit on the political. I, I actually think that depending on the topic, you would find me sometimes in the middle, sometimes very left, sometimes potentially. Uh, what would I be right on? I don't know. Oh, um, Second Amendment. I, I think the Second, second Amendment. I, I've gone right I think on. The second <laughs> Amendment, I think the Second Amendment is important. And I think and I think we should have uh, pro-choice. So yeah. make of that. Anyway, but the, 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 with all of this, what I notice is even you are um, defending the label that has been cast on you as opposed to the con the content. No, well, I guess I'm saying that's not a it's useful label to say you're a centrist. None of puts them you, are. orients you to the sides. And what I'm saying is that's that's not, I don't consider myself a centrist. A centrist would look at the right and look at the left and then try to land in the middle. Well, here's what I, I yes, I understand. The label that I've heard all of these weeks is to skip the actual content of the argument. So I hear a lot of people yeah, yeah. saying that this is sedition and this is, what's the big word that they've used? A coup. A coup. A coup. Um, 
Now, embedded within the word coup is a, like an illegal, unlawful overtaking of the governmental seat of power. And embedded within the word revolution is a much more positive context. The people out there presumably do not, they might think of it technically as a coup, but it, is, it has the connotation of revolution for them, which is to say this was a stolen election. And in fact, the legal thing to do here is to have Donald Trump. In. Now, you can disagree with that, but if if the label is just being asserted. You're not engaging in the argument. Like the discussion is who won the election mm -hmm. and how did they win and why? But if you're going to start the discussion with your end and conclusion in mind, there's now no discussion to be had. And I see the same thing uh, occurring with free speech. You know, a lot of people on the right are saying free speech, free speech. It's like, that's not the argument. Everyone here is for free speech and no one has touched yours. The argument is whether these companies need to allow you to post things which with with which they disagree with yeah, yeah. Uh, and cause violence that they don't like. That's not a free speech issue. And so there's just all these labels being thrown out that are uh, distracting to the actual content of the argument and block people from actually communicating with each other. Well, I don't think the goal is to communicate with the other side. I think the goal is to make the other side's argument seem stupid. Look bad. Yes. And so it's easier to mislabel something and straw man something than it is to engage with it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was I wrote some of these down. God, I have so much this week. It's freaking crazy. I'm not going to be able to go through all of the notes that I have this week. Um so anyway, the, with some of the, some of the labels that I wrote down that I think is important to recognize uh also are not absolutely good and bad. Mm -hmm. So like people are saying it's treasonous and that actually is devoid of moral value. Uh, 1776 was like the most treasonous year in American history. And yeah, it's yeah. our favorite year <laughs> in American sure. history. It was totally treasonous. Um, well, also in Nazi Germany, you would have liked more treasons. You would have liked a ton you know of treasons. You know what was treasonous? Hiding Anne Frank. Sure. So that she didn't get captured by Nazis. That was treason. So, we like that. Exactly. So I want to encourage people when you're discussing with friends, family, etc. Uh, these labels actually aren't arguments and yeah. you'll find that you sometimes support treason you sometimes don't so here's a handful yeah, of things treason's really bad i'm not yeah. saying treason's always good it's just the real question is do you agree is this with a the, good treason or a bad do you treason agree with the government? <laughs> yes if you agree with the government treason's bad if you disagree with the government treason is good if there was an uprising in north korea we would be cheering for the treason yeah. we would love it so in any event oh no i just lost it i wrote down a bunch of the words that are sometimes good and sometimes bad that a lot of people use as absolutes. So the first one was treason. Let me see where the other one is. So treason, not always good, not always bad. I think we've established that. Being called during a podcast, always bad. <laughs> Are you getting called right <laughs> now? Getting called, yeah. Uh, free, mode, dude. free speech. And when I say free speech, what I mean is that uh, saying anything you want all the time. And we've talked in the past, I don't want to go deep into it, how we've carved out these sections for libel and slander as if they were different kinds of speech and they're not they're just people saying things that cause people to behave in ways that you don't want but you're allowed to lie under free speech you're allowed to be wrong yeah but we've just said sometimes you're not yeah which i actually don't disagree with you're i think it's you're just saying yeah. that people aren't free speech absolutists because i actually like that you can't slander that you can't yeah. libel it's free speech is not an absolute good it mm. many people think and myself included uh rights of a private business to discriminate. 
we mentioned the civil rights thing. Like, it's not always a good thing. Imagine a society, which is not hard, that thinks that people of a certain skin color and the majority hold this opinion are bad, wrong, and that people that sleep with members of the same sex are evil. Mm -hmm. And that no one will serve them food, allow them banking access. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, the rights of a private business to discriminate is sometimes really good, though. Sometimes you want to not. I think that that's much as obvious. You don't want to have to hire whoever the government tells you or you want to discriminate based on a lot of different things. Yeah, IQ, ability to be successful, if you like the person. If you like the person. And you're allowed to not like people for any reason, which which in the 60s was skin color, right? So well, you're not allowed to dislike people for any reason because if you dislike people for skin color, you still sh should hire them because the government's... But I'm saying, them. yes, exactly. That's my point, is to say that sometimes you do not want a private business to have rights to discriminate upon who they like. Mm. Um, due process, not always a good thing. Now, this one is complicated, but like, People love Abraham Lincoln. Civil War guy did it. Suspended habeas corpus. Put everybody in jail. Not everybody. Put people in jail with no due process. Uh, you And you also have the idea of, you know, the terrorist that has planted a bunch of nukes and they're going to go off in an hour. And it's like, well, I'd like my lawyer and your trial is going to be in a week. It's too late. You got to waterboard that guy. Mm. Another one, torture. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there are times where we would all advocate for torture. Um, like what? Like the terrorist who we were 100% certain, which of course you can't be, had planted them that wasn't going to talk and you... Got it. There's a nuke somewhere. 100,000 people will die. If you pull this guy's fingernails million. off, yep. he'll, he's going to tell you where he's it gonna is. He's going to tell you where it is and you're going to save millions of lives. Everybody goes, yeah, you, you should rip that guy's fingernails off. Yeah, I, th I think so. I think most people would agree with that. Justin, um, chime in if you disagree with any of these. Yeah. Are you any an absolutist with any of these things? You don't have to be. Just, a, just another voice. Yeah, I'll chime in if I think of something. Cool. Okay. Following orders in the military. Obviously, you need cohesion in the military, but there's the famous story of the uh, Russian nuclear submarine guy mm -hmm. who uh, I think it was during the Bay of Pigs. Or it's, tensions in the in in the Cold War were very high. There was some sort of disturbance to the sub. They lost communication. They thought World War Three had happened, and they needed three guys to like turn the key to nuke the United States of America. And two of them were in, and the third guy didn't. And it turned out. That that he was like right to not do it. Yeah, you know? he prevented <laughs> like World War Three, like dissented and prevented World War Three. And sometimes you don't follow orders. Uh, democracy. We've seen that that the the majority can vote for things that aren't good. I mean, we had democracies with slavery. We had democracies with all all horrible every manner of horrible thing that happened throughout history since the advent of democracy happened within the context of a democracy. Mm -hmm. um, and quite frankly, the civil rights thing. I don't know that it was a, advocated by most Americans. It was advocated by some of the powerful ones that were like, this is wrong. We shouldn't be discriminating on this, even if many of you in the South want to. Yeah, if they'd held a popular vote, who knows? In Alabama, I think it's pretty certain what they would have voted. Um, nationalizing various industries. Uh, this is something that, you know, should should the roads be open to anyone? Should healthcare be open to anyone? Should social media platforms be open to anyone and protected? There's problems with nationalizing because you get typically a crappier product, but everybody has access. And then I could keep going socialism. Anyway, all of these things are sometimes good, sometimes bad. But I heard uh, people saying that, oh, you can't nationalize it because nationalizing is bad. And it's that's that's not an argument. All yeah, of these what's things. Your, what is the, uh, so you've provided a lot of evidence, but what's your, what is the thing that triggered this? I see arguments that are saying, Oh, what you're suggesting is socialism. Full stop. <laughs> it's like, 
Yes. <laughs> or what you're suggesting, oh, you're suggesting we nationalize these industries? That's crazy. It's like there's there's no argument there. Got it. Like nationalizing an industry is sometimes good and sometimes bad, and we need to discuss further. And with all of those things, I saw those labels. That's treasonous, like as if it were an argument. It's not an argument. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you're saying that if people should watch themselves when they say it, look out for when other people say it, or just oh, that thing you've seen? Uh, I don't You could watch yourself, watch other people, slap your parents in the head if they do it in conversation with you on the phone. I mean, yeah, I, it was funny. The, the other thing that I see is that all of a sudden people have these new words uh, just inserted into their lexicon and they don't question how or why. Mm. And it's frustrated me. And I've mentioned it, but like I do feel when I talk to my mom and dad that I'm talking to Rachel Maddow. It's like mm. I don't need to have this conversation because I can literally just turn on CNN and they'll tell me everything that you think you think. You know, and down to the word choice, like yeah, coup. Yeah. This is the first time in my life that I've heard you mention the word coup. I'm not sure like how familiar you were with it before this week, but all of a sudden, it's on the tip of your tongue. Sure. How did that happen? Um, so anyway, yeah, I just see I see uh, words being used not to explore concepts, but to kind of like obfuscate and cover up interesting questions. So I've got too much to even read here. What else you got? Well, so okay, I know that you think. We're on the brink of civil war, so you can talk, know you can I... talk about Ray Dalio <laughs> after this. But I have I read something and it made me think uh, the sky is not falling. Huh. So we we think that the right is becoming more and more Nazi, the left is becoming more and more Maoist China. You know everything is bad, people are violent. And I was reading this book that a commenter recommended actually, Happiness Hypothesis, and they talk about a study that thought was interesting. So. The rate of violent crimes in the U.S. has fallen by 50% since 1993. Since 1993, they've done a, an annual survey, and every year, at least 60% of people say crime is up year over year. So while crime is falling every year, the majority of people say it's up, right? Mm -hmm. In their own community, like half of that say that crime is up locally. So you have a populace that says crime is not up locally, but it is up in places I can't see while crime is falling. And so that just made me, I've already thought this, but it hammered home for me that the news is just tricking the people into thinking that what they what they can't see is it's becoming horrible. more and more violent. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's what's happening is the news is, is casting a spell on the people in the US such that they are constantly filling out a survey saying the world is getting more violent, the US is getting more violent, while the violence is dropping. Mm -hmm. And so the problem isn't the violence. The problem is the news. Yeah. And so that made me just recognize that with all this the sky is falling and there's no more people that think like me and the other side's getting extreme. It's probably not. Probably there's a lot more people in the US that you would agree with on 90% of things than not. And there's probably very few people or a lot less than people think that have the extreme views that they associate with the other side. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? But the thing is, when you're interviewing people at a rally, getting the guy that has Camp Auschwitz on his shirt is just more views. You know what I'm saying? When that is your thumbnail, that's clicks. Or when you're on the left and you have somebody just saying something about how we should completely kick off everybody who has a certain thought and censorship is great and we should take we should behead Jeff Bezos and take all his money and give it to the <laughs> government. You know what I mean? There's people who literally say this stuff and they get the coverage. Yeah, yeah. But there's really a bunch of people that think both of those people are crazy, but the news doesn't talk to them because it's not interesting. And so it doesn't make them money. Sure. So this was just a study that really hammered home 
that we're just being played and the world isn't actually getting more violent. Yes. I think that there's, I guess I have two broad ideas. One is the time frame. Like, this is the Ray Dalio point, which is, let's zoom out 500 or 1,000 years. Empires rise and fall, and with it, uh, especially within the empire, violence rises and falls. And while overall we're trending towards fewer violent deaths over the span of humanity per capita, there are periods of world wars you know, yeah, yeah. That, that do happen. Yes, and what they, I'm saying is people think that's happening now, and at least between it wasn't in the 90s. It wasn't in the 90s. Yeah, no, from 1993 to 2018, mm -hmm. it was wrong. It was always that, that violence was falling, that less people were becoming the victims of violence. Sure, and people always thought that there was more violence occurring. So that's yes. what I'm saying. Is this this has not been to date one of those time periods where violence is up. It's just one of those time periods where the news is convincing people. The violence is up. Well, this is a problem with um, one of the things that, so I uh, I was just trying to click around, see what people were saying, knew that we had this thing and clicked on Stephen Colbert and he had some images. And I watched myself because I didn't watch the day of the Capitol thing get riled up. Be like, oh my God. Like, oh, and I saw like the, the most violent images of that day mm -hmm. curated for me. Sure. And so powerful to watch and so frightening and scary. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh man, if I'd watched this all day, it, it would be a totally different day. Even though I was in California, totally separate from all of this, and the same thing occurred either way. Well, if you stood in DC though, that wouldn't have been your experience necessarily. No, if I'd stood in the crowd, it wouldn't have been as horrible as what Steven showed me. Yes. Steven showed me the, the worst, absolute worst of it. You know well, what this, I mean? And this is why back with BLM, you have people saying these are mostly violent protests, and you have people saying these are incredibly violent riots. Mm -hmm. One of them was just shown images of the multiple, multiple, multiple hours where yeah. things were peaceful. And one of them was shown moments of the times when cop cars were on fire being flipped over and people were Molotov mm -hmm. cocktailing businesses and whatever it was. And all of that happened. And no one has any idea of what proportion it happened unless they were at the rally for the entire time. And then they only know it for that location's Yeah, rally. yes, yes. So... That's the problem is that people see whatever the news shows them and it is so convincing. If you see nothing but people kneeling with their hand raised, you go, of course, these were peaceful. And if you see nothing but people Molotov cop cocktailing police cars, you say, of course, these were violent. And you have no idea like, mm -hmm. <laughs> unless you were there. And then you only know if yours was. Yeah, within your span of. Yeah. And by the way, somebody gets stabbed 30 feet away from you, not make a big deal of it. This happened at the club that my brother worked at. There was a stabbing in the yeah, yeah, club. So he, just, worked at a, he worked, he at, worked a at a nightclub. There yeah. was a stabbing there. They they quick, he didn't do this, but like the management like quick cleaned it up. They never shut the club down. Like Right, so someone, someone had their <laughs> whole night. Was like, someone we had, had their, a very peaceful time yeah, at the someone club. someone had their whole night. They're like, oh, that was such a great night. <laughs> they, they were right next up, to a guy who was yeah, stabbed woke up to six a news story about someone. Oh, wow. They, no, they didn't wake up to a news story. Oh, that didn't get covered in the news. Vegas, my man. This is Vegas. You don't talk. No, they didn't say a damn thing. Uh, it was a gang strike, right? Yes. Seven people. Clean the blood up is what they told them. They completely tampered with the crime scene. It was classic. Sweep this under the rug. You're not going to find anything when you search for it because there's nothing <laughs> it to wasn't find. Covered, yeah. um, he did live, which was probably one of the reasons that it didn't explode out into the news. Because if he died, it's tougher to deal with bodies than it is with. I don't know. I actually wonder that. I, something that I thought about is. If you are involved in a criminal organization, how much coverage does your death get? Sure. That's that's true. I think it is typically, though, surviving 
is less of a I also know that a lot of gang violence, I mean, I, I lived and went to college in West Philadelphia. They had a drive-by shooting that shot up the movie theater that all the college kids went to. And college kids got shot, like just random kids got shot in the leg. And I don't know that it made the city news. Maybe. If it did, it was a blip on the radar. Mm -hmm. Well, so yeah. So you would have said it was a peaceful day at that point. <laughs> anyway, so the point is, and we've said this a million times, but just we, we just highlight it because it seems to be the most interesting thing is the impossibility of engaging in uh, large scale understanding of the world with a with a close up view of it, and it's even harder. Yeah. So this is why, like, I'm not saying that Ray Dalio understands the world, but what I am saying is that he, to me, has a slightly better approach of like stepping back and looking at 500 year swaths and not the evening news. Yeah, it's not totally better, but it at least gives him. Um, a bit more perspective. We well, talked about how history can be written and rewritten and all that kind of stuff. So I don't. I I'm don't curious think it's what Ray flawless. says because I know you like his stuff a lot, and I think he's a smart person. But I did just do a, vi a video about Conor McGregor, and one of the points was, don't trust someone that predicts the future. Sure. Because they've been wrong a bunch of times, mm -hmm. but you just don't know it. So I do wonder if I knew every prediction Ray Dalio has made for the last ten years, if he would have a winning record. Well, I think Bridgewater would be the best way to find that is to look at um, how they fared compared to the S&P. You know what I mean? That's that to me seems to be the skin in the game view. Bridgewater, well, for those of you who don't know, is his uh, what's it called? Hedge fund. Um, Except the stock market doesn't really reflect the economy anymore because you could have. Yes, but what it reflects is his ability to outpredict other people. Sure. You know, like so if he outperformed it then let's give it a googs and and a lot of them don't man a lot of these hedge fund guys i don't know that he has yeah he might not have and if he doesn't then you go off oh, screw it but um what he is correct is that eventually the u.s empire will end yes <laughs> you know? but dude i mean the sun uh, the sun will blow up the eventually. sun will blow up. do i get yeah, yeah, points yeah. for that credit uh for that prediction he will predict that the u.s empire will end prior to the sun blowing up <laughs> um and within our lifetimes and yeah he may he may in fact be wrong are you looking at bridgewater versus S&P? Uh, yeah, I just gave it a quick Google. I could do it on my own time, though, if you want. Sure. Or Justin, just if you don't mind, see if we can find anything. It's called Bridgewater Capital. But uh, no, he lost a lot of money in 2020. Yeah, he got he got hammered. A lot of money in 2020. Which is he's, cause he's, a lot. He had the biggest hedge fund, but uh, they lost 19% of their money. Yeah. Well, he may be wrong. And listen, the thing is, uh, when there's two options, yes, there will be a civil war. No, there won't. Even if 70% is tilting towards him and he's playing the Vegas odds as best he can. I mean, this is the truth of well, what's his time? Well. What's his timing for a uh, civil, civil war? Because um, I agree. 10 to 15 years. At some point in the US. Sorry, within within the next, I'll say, uh, I think what he would say is within the next 15 years. And he's not saying there will be a civil war. He is saying that there are six stages of empire. Mm -hmm. The sixth stage is dissolution, which I think like nine out of 11 times results in violence, whether that's with another nation or internally. Mm -hmm. um, large scale, widespread yeah. violence. Well, this was my question too, is it, does it count as a civil war if, because we got 300 million people, right? If some people on one side do a terrorist attack and bomb people because they think they associate with the other side, and then there's these back and forth guerrilla warfare reprisals that only account for 1% of the population, which would still be 3 million people, which is actually higher than I'd yeah, expect. Yeah, yeah. And they are killing people, but it's never it's never like an overt, we're at war. I, if there's I imagine this piling that up that of terrorist would, attacks, I imagine, that I imagine that 
three million people in America, that would count. Okay. Yeah. So I could see, I don't even think it'd be three million, but I could see that violence starting to pile up from the most extreme people mm -hmm. on either side. It's harder for me to imagine people enlisting in an army. Well, he makes, he makes a great point. What is hard for you to imagine what is likely have nothing to do with one another. And I think that that's worth, you know, sure, sure. like you can imagine things that have happened and you can't imagine things that haven't. And that is just the nature of human imagination. Well, what uh, does he say? What does he say in Empire's timeline is 80 years? No, no. He says that there's 80 year cycles that okay. occur. And some empires, I mean, Rome was 800 years or something like that. But anyway, that you can um, that it is marked by the decisions that they've made and Basically, at the first half of it, you're putting in the work, you're investing, you're investing mm -hmm. in military, education, infrastructure, all that kind of stuff. The second half, you're downhill, you're cruising. It's the second semester of your senior year. You're enjoying uh, printing money and mm -hmm. uh, the wars are getting less less useful to you, but you're still engaging them anyway. And um, that he says we're late stage five. That's his opinion. I don't know, man. I don't even want to comment on what he thinks because it's so outside of my wheelhouse. Um, but let's talk about a hand. I'm, I could bounce around. Do you want, did you want to do more Ray? No, I had a, I had an interesting shower thought about the civil war. Go for it. So I just thought this was interesting. Uh, do you think it's fair to say, do you think it's a fair label on the very far right to call them Nazis since they do wear swastikas and they do hail Hitler arms that there are people Probably. on the very far yeah, right? I'm sure there's people. Yeah, I think so. Uh, do you agree that on the very far left? They think there are thought crimes and that aggressive censorship is good if you go against the party line. I imagine. Yeah. And there's a pretty aggressive focus on wealth redistribution. So it reminds me a lot of like Russia or mm -hmm. China. Isn't it weird that if we do have a civil war, it's literally going to be the two ideologies that we went to war with as a country? <laughs> Isn't that weird? Like we were like, fuck Nazis. Mm -hmm. We're going to go in and we're going to join this world war, yeah. even though they are across the ocean from us because Nazis are bad. Mm -hmm. And then right after that, we were like, you know what's not good? China and Russia and their brand of communism and yeah. the way that they censor and their authoritarian nature, we're going to fight them. And now it's just that's that's what happened here. Well, Isn't that so weird? I guess this is why I find Ray Dalio interesting is because he steps back and goes, maybe fascism, communism are uh, responses to economic circumstances of a dwindling empire, of a failing of, of there not being a ton to go around. And people are now deciding how best to carve up what remains. Oh, I just think it's fascinating that people aren't even in inventing new ideologies. <laughs> they're literally reading Marxism and yeah. they say that they're trained in Marxism or they're wearing swastikas. Yeah. It's like, guys, we, like, just invent your own thing and fight about that. It's just Got so it. interesting to me. So you're like saying As there a, should be like a Gaia ideology, which is like, we're all Earth Get a people. new thing. Don't wear a swastika. <laughs> Even if you're going to be dickheads, like don't steal Hitler's thing. They literally do the arm. You know what I mean? And people are like, oh yeah, we're training in Marxism. It's like, can you amend it? Look at what other they've people- amended it. I mean, to give, listen, to give to give them credit, of course they've amended I it. I know, I just think it's interesting. It was just a shower thought I had. I was like, man, we're really, as a country, just lining up mm -hmm. with the ideologies mm -hmm. of our past enemies. Only, it's so and, interesting. See, and again, that's only the, I believe, still only the far fringes. Oh, no, yeah, it's just the, sorry. If we have a civil war, I don't think it'll be two armies facing off. I think it'll be terrorist attacks from the extreme of either side. Those terrorist attacks are gonna be done by people that look a lot like China and Russia and people that look a lot like World War II Germany if it comes to pass. And I just think that's fucking fascinating. Sure. So this is, um, I'm sure that I do this as well. And, and which is why I will not say it 
meanly angrily, but just as just as a point of note that we could potentially all reflect on what we say, and I've tried to imperfectly, I was listening to Sam Harris talk about um, what happened in the Capitol. And he had a line where he said that Trump is the most dangerously unfit president ever in the office. And I don't know a ton about Sam's, what he understands of American history or anything, but it seems like for someone to say that sincerely, not in jest and not with their friends hyperbolically, that one should be able to, at bare minimum, name all of the other presidents mm-hmm. and one or two things about them, at bare minimum. Because to be the most, you need a, a, a set of people to compare Yeah, hopefully to. you're not just comparing them to Obama, George Bush, and Bill Clinton. And in which going, case you could say in the last... 16 years yeah. <laughs> but and i was like wait a second i'm not a presidential scholar but like is this worse than i don't know we'll start back with bush like when we went into a couple wars that well, cost trillions like, of dollars so yeah you told me about this quote i would need him to and this is something i learned from the conversation with Bosch. before i engage in the conversation i need him to define what does dangerously unfit mean yeah and does it mean most dangerous to the u.s citizens and does it mean leads to bad outcomes. Because if he's willing to or say- Or most likely does it, to lead to bad Because if he's willing outcomes. to say, listen, this literally is just a personality thing. It means Sam Harris dis- dislikes how the guy makes decisions. Mm-hmm. I go, okay, maybe if that's lit- if it's just Sam Harris's opinion. But yeah, is da- if dangerously unfit means leads to bad outcomes for people, that's when I get confused just because there's been so many bad, bad things. things that have happened. Unnecessary wars. I mean, yeah. And and so listen, I don't know a ton about them, but I do know that we wound up in Vietnam and didn't need to be there. That's the one that came to mind for me. I was like, we volunteered to just send, <laughs> we drafted all, so voluntarily entered the war, then involuntarily <laughs> drafted people, yeah. then shipped them over to basically hell and had them commit atrocities while having atrocities committed to them. Mm-hmm. They all did heroin to cope with it. And then we just went, ah, it was a bad idea. Let's cancel it. And again, like, to, to, to his point, like you just said, they all did heroin. And you don't mean literally no, they all did heroin. No, and so this is my, and so I, I would have to check, but he seems very measured in what he says. But it's, I do think in some cases, and in this one, especially because he, he is. Um, well, dangerously unfit just might not mean what it sounds. Well, it also. It's a, it's a very particular combo of words. Here's why I think it's important because the tenor of what he was saying is that this is absolutely unprecedented. And what supported that was that this is the most ever. And it's like, wait a second. If I can find precedent within the last couple decades, we can chill out a little bit. It doesn't mean we don't do anything, but it means we can take a deep breath. And, you know, I, I'm not going to point them all out, but there's Vietnam. Woodrow Wilson took us to World War One. didn't need to be there. Warren Harding was, a lot of people say, the worst president ever. Like George there- Bush either knew there were no WMDs, but started a war anyway that we still can't manage to fully get out of, or is really bad at reading Intel. <laughs> but somehow, some way, we, we got that wrong. And it led to so many deaths for us. I think millions total. For the other side. Yeah, yeah. Civilians. So much money. Like, in terms of destructiveness, I got to call that a worse outcome. Sure. And, and we did already have a civil war. And one imagines that, I don't know a ton, but the preceding presidents might have been some might have been able to do something to, to take Prevent us off it, that. Yeah. Yes. So... Just to say, this isn't to say he's good, by the way. It's just weird to, to say, call him the worst. But I, I think when you're doing these things, like try what I try to do is, to, and I have done all week in preparation for us discussing, is like I've tried to prove myself wrong, and that's how I came up with the oh wow, this isn't about free speech because nobody's free speech has been amended. Like my initial instinct was this is an encroachment on free speech and censorship because I don't want my channel taken away. But I go wait yeah. a second, 
free speech. Like, what would happen if if um, a bunch of pedophiles started writing in my comment section? I'd get rid of them. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah. you don't have any right here. So, Sorry, you mean you would murder them? <laughs> you would, I, would, I would get, I'd find <laughs> them and I'd get rid of them. I would at the very least get rid of the comments. Some Batman justice up in here. Uh, so yeah, so that, that I want the ability to associate with who, and, and so do these companies deserve that, with perhaps special exceptions, but okay, it's not free speech. And it allowed me to cool off of what felt like an assault on free speech. And you I think, sorry, pardon, similarly for him, um, this can be bad without being unprecedentedly bad. Sure. And it was bad. <laughs> exactly. And it might <laughs> and it might make you make better decisions if you don't think this is the worst presidential thing ever that is absolutely and it could still be bad and it could still be decried and denounced and we could still do things about it he could still be impeached he could still all of these things are yeah, possible yeah. without it being the worst ever stephen colbert said he what was his words the most upsetting day i believe in american history in his life and he explicitly included 9 11 mm-hmm. in that which is Totally, you're right to be upset by whatever you're upset by. Yeah, it was interesting. He said he was upset because he saw people defending the people at the Capitol, Mm -hmm. which is just a unique take on upset to be upset about that more than 600 times as many people dying and kicking off a major war. Yeah. 9-11 seems, to me, 9-11 seems more upsetting. I mean, we'll see how the future plays out. But if I could prevent one or the other, I can prevent 9-11 or I can prevent the Capitol Hill. I'm preventing 9-11. Sure. And and he's everyone, you can be upset about the death of a kitten or uh, a wound on your leg. You know, you can be upset tremendously well, by that's whatever. Fair. I mean, people are more upset by the death of their own child than by genocides that occur in other countries. So yes. it definitely isn't just and so, loss of life. And so I guess this is what I'm getting to is... Um, uh, so much of what I'm hearing, and I include myself in it because I can buy into it, is triggeredness. Mm. Like when you, when this is the most upsetting day of your life, pause because either the worst thing ever happened or you're triggered. Mm. <laughs> it's one of those two. Yep. Um, and there's some way like this. And if you're certain this is the worst thing ever, that's what someone who's triggered thinks. Try to find uh, past situations which might not. And also see, is this going to be a day to which I reference 60 years, 30 years from now? Is this going to be the day that I look back in infamy 30 years from now? Because <laughs> I don't think it'll be in three months the thing that anyone looks back at mm. significantly. Um, so, yeah, I see a lot of triggeredness out there. And what it does is it makes people super certain impervious to reflection yeah and uh i think it feels really good it feels fucking oh, it feels great it feels so Dude, outrage is so rewarding it feels so good. i mean it'll kill you it'll give you cancer and a yeah. heart attack but well and then and then the other thing is like it literally gave people heart attacks we're not and then when you say that this is the biggest most important unprecedented and you're wrong there is a biggest most unprecedented and you're missing it. Yep. And that means that moral atrocities are occurring. And we can discuss what it is. We've mentioned factory farming before. Um, but it's just, it's it's interesting how how these small, these not relatively small oh, yeah. things Dude. can capture your attention and stop you from helping the world is, I guess, it's that's the bummer. Oh, you gave me two really good segues. Go for you it. You want to kick it off? To I've it. got a segue to you hit, knock it out. So what, this is a random question for people. I don't even know if you'll like me asking this question, but I would like people to comment if we have ever changed your mind on anything, <laughs> because you're talking about how people are impervious with their outrage. And sometimes I see comments and I go, we talked about that for 30 minutes. And this comment acts like we didn't. And so I'm just genuinely curious because I would like to know 
if if it's just the case that people like when they agree with us, tune us out when they disagree, and largely have all the same opinions and beliefs as if they didn't listen to us, then maybe we should just look at talking about other topics. I have a prediction. I think we've changed minds with regards to determinism. I think we've changed mind with regards to a whole slew of things that are not emotionally charged. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't think that our discussions about religion have changed almost anyone ever. And Uh, I question whether our conversations about talking people off the ledge with politics have. I think what it does is it takes that moderate who is being um, pulled in a direction by everything they see around them and gives them a hopefully a space to like, oh, you're right. Like, I thought that today was the worst day ever. And it's not. <laughs> like, well, I, if that's the case, I'd like to hear. I just want to hear it. Be honest. You okay. know, uh, this is just going to help inform what topics I bring up. You can bring up whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But I don't need to bring up this political stuff if all it's doing is giving some people who already think what I think good feelings. Other people are just fast forwarding to the parts that they agree with. And yeah, no yeah. one is being challenged and moved. Yeah. yeah, I would hope that this people are better off you know, more thoughtful or improved in some way. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'll, I'll just talk about not politics. Yeah. If that's the case. So I'm just curious. I'm just curious if anyone has had their mind changed or to Charlie's point, if this is helpful because it does make you feel like, yeah. oh, the only reason I think the world is more violent is because it's the news and what Ben just said is violence is going down every year. Yeah, just let me know. Let me know what the impact is of listening. And yeah, that'll help me know what topics are good to bring up. Do you want to take your other segue? Yes, because you said that when you get fired up about something, you stop focusing on the other thing. Mm-hmm. So we talked about this um, last week, but the war on drugs. Oh, can I make an announcement? Sure. One of the things that I sit down and uh, reflect on, because I can spend all day, so, like you guys see me relatively chill now, but to get here, I do have to cool down and I can spend most of my day wasted and then at night go, fuck, I didn't really help anybody. So I mm-hmm. want to do the YouTube thing that we discussed. Ah. Um, which is, uh, no, no charge. I know a lot about YouTube and can help some of you that I think have something there. You know what I mean? Maybe you're great on camera. Maybe you've got a really commanding understanding of a topic. Um, but you've got to have something in place that I can take a look at. So I'm going to have a link in the description. If you're listening on the podcast, track this down on YouTube because it, I don't, I'm not great at growing podcasts. I'm great at growing YouTube channels. Uh, click that link and it's going to ask for your YouTube channel, what your goals are. And to start with, I'm going to take just a handful of people and we'll do a really relaxed Zoom call. Just one call. Just one and to start, just to see if you guys like it, to see if I'm helpful. Maybe we'll continue. Maybe we'll loop people in. Maybe we'll take clips of it and share it. Um, 
but I, I'm thinking to start with sub 10, like an amount of people that I can answer individual questions and not bore the call and hopefully have uh, interesting takeaways for those that are on it and maybe those that are not. So cool. that's going to be in the description below. Go ahead. Cool. Okay. So we talked about this, the war on drugs. I'm going to speed through the parts that we touched on last week and then get to something else. But uh, over 1 million people a year are arrested for drug possession. One fifth of incarcerated people, about half a million, are serving time for a drug charge. So there's a huge cost. People's lives, the economic loss of productivity, tens of billions of dollars in taxes between state and federal uh, just to fund the arrests, the trials and the jail. And that doesn't even take into account all the tax revenue that could be made from legalizing all this stuff. The other thing is, we were talking about uh, a lot in 2020, how to make things better for the black community. And I didn't really hear a lot about legalizing drugs. I didn't see a big push for catalyzing, legalizing marijuana. The people that get absolutely railed yeah. by these drug laws are Latins and black people. So police shootings are tragic, literally just awful when anybody dies. But way, way, way less black people are affected by police shootings than by these drug laws. Mm -hmm. And so I just think we've talked about this before. Selfishly, I think psychedelics are amazing. They've shown amazing abilities to help people with depression and anxiety and this and that. And so that's the angle I've covered for why we should legalize drugs. And then separately, we were talking about cartels because we had a fan question, might have been a Patreon question, Patreon about our thought on cartel violence. Mm -hmm. And I think it's completely enabled. Join the Patreon, it's great. <laughs> I think it's completely enabled by the fact that these drugs are illegal because yeah. this is just our moonshiners from Prohibition era, basically. We've legalized, made these things illegal. So there's a ton of people dying in Mexico because these super-powered uh, cartels are funded by illegal drugs and they would lose all that money immediately. And then I was thinking, you know what another angle is for legalizing drugs? All these people that are in jail, you talk about mm -hmm. this... Uh, I don't know, just disrupting the black community. And I think that it seems like drug possession arrests have a way bigger impact than the amount of time they get talked about on the news. It seems so. like a rare lose, lose, lose policy. It's, <laughs> uh, it's amazing. I really don't, especially, and you know what? Personally, I think we should legalize it all. Yeah. I think legalize cocaine, legalize heroin, just make them, just create whatever rules you need to make mm -hmm. sure that people don't hurt each other. But especially just making marijuana Mm -hmm. We already have cigarettes legalized. We have vaping 16-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like We have alcohol where drunk driving occurs. Very inconsistent culture and laws. I agree. So if you just legalized weed, the amount of people whose lives would not be disrupted by possession of a substance that's not any worse than the other legal ones is really large mm -hmm. compared to other things I've heard talked about in terms of how to help the world. And this would specifically help Latin and black Americans, but I think it's just good for everyone. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's my rant. I think the war on drugs Silly. doesn't get nearly as much shit as it should. Who's, is there anyone out there pro that anymore? Yeah, tons. Otherwise it would be legal federally. There's I, a ton uh, of senators that will not vote to legalize marijuana nationwide. They're old and they're brainwashed in the same way that I think people are brainwashed now by the news. Mm -hmm. When these people were watching the news, they were watching Reefer Madness and they just have not updated their software. They're getting old. They're, they're, I mean, this is, this is going to be Pelosi's 80 Trump's 80 Biden's 80. I'm rounding yeah. up a little bit, but it's, so you're saying why this will be legal eventually. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Every year it's not. It's, it's a shame. A million people yeah. <laughs> get arrested for it yeah. every year. A million, 1000 people get shot by cops, 200 are black, a million get arrested for drug related things. And the majority are minorities. So like 
that's at least 500,000 people you could help if you want to focus on helping those communities. I think it's insane. Every single year that this stays illegal, that happens. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's my rant. It's crazy. But yeah, the reason that it doesn't happen is because over half the Senate is still against legalizing marijuana. And why are they? And of course, you go, you would like them, but they're just humans like every other that do what it takes to keep their job and do what it takes to get paid. And Well, someone could run on this. Here's what could happen. Someone could run in a state and say, I think this is a really important issue. And they could rattle off all the money we're going to make, mm-hmm. the crimes we're going to stop, the people. And then the people in that state could uh, care about that as their mobilizing issue instead of caring about building a wall or defunding the police. They yeah. could care about making this their primary issue. And then they could elect senators that would make this their primary thing. But it's going really slowly. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's going really slowly. My friend moved from California to Tennessee. He has very bad anxiety and had medicinal marijuana and cannot have it now oh, no in Tennessee. So what did he do? Well, I'll give you a hint. He still has anxiety, mm-hmm. so he's still smoking weed. Mm-hmm. He's just paying a drug dealer now. Yeah, yeah. Like That's what the law. He, was, he didn't go, you know what? Maybe I'll just deal with panic attacks. Yeah. Maybe I'll respect the state law and I'll just have panic attacks. No, he said, okay, I'm going to get this thing. I'll just pay a drug dealer who's yeah. part of a gang who's funding a cartel. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> just let him go to a dispensary. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, I don't know a ton of, of what does it. Th- this is just a, it reminded me. We're going to have, I believe, Cosmic Skeptic is coming on sometime soon. Yep, he said he's down. Cool. So we're going to chat with him. He had an interesting video. Street epistemology guy? No, different guy. His name oh, is Cosmic guy. Skeptic. And uh, I've been watching his stuff. You haven't. We have so many guests. Jeez. <laughs> I can't give you. We got three guests coming up. Well, in any event, he did a video recently that I thought was uh, one of the more interesting takes on the pandemic, which is one of the things we all acknowledge at the beginning is that this came from bats and or a wet market in China. And the ways that we know that these viruses start is uh, they begin in animals that are closely kept together. They hop around. Mm-hmm. And because of the opportunities they have to move, they eventually mutate to where they can be caught by humans. So you put all these sick animals, you give it a million chances to replicate, and you get coronavirus. You get Ebola. You get all of these, you get mad cow. You get all these different kinds of things. Uh, and if we really want to stop the next, the next pandemic, mm. what you do is you stop factory farming mm. because that'll almost certainly take care of it. Like, Yeah, but you'd have to do it internationally. Even if the U.S. Sure, passes a law sure. saying no factory farming, that's not going to affect China's wet market. Absolutely. But if China had passed a law five years ago, yes. we would not have coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. So like, we're going to make ours eventually. <laughs> and the question is, do we need to add ours to the mix? Now, it's just an interesting... Um, it's complete, You cannot run on this. You cannot... like. It's It's totally unpopular today. Uh, but just an interesting, if you don't like the pandemic, there are ways to ensure that this is very unlikely to happen again, that, uh, most people just, ah. Do you think it'll become, so obviously at some point you're a politician and you say, I'm going to run on, uh, integrating black and white people in the U S and you just get destroyed. But then at some point you run on that and you win. And at some point you can't not. The populace turns. Yeah. And then same thing with, I think, gay marriage. Largely, if you it came out that you were anti-gay marriage. Although I guess Hillary Clinton said she was anti-gay marriage. Yeah, but no, no, not today. Today it's over. Uh, So do you think that at some point in the next 50 years, someone will run and win based on an animal cruelty, let's say top three that's one of their top three issues. I don't know. It, 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 all I can say is it totally depends on the movement of technology and economics. That's it. Um, it's not going to be people's 
consciousness or conscience waking up. Mm. It's just going to be when it's no longer uh, when you can get bacon in other ways, when you can when you can get what you want in other ways. And I think that that has been true of like we've mentioned, almost every breakthrough has been. Don't worry, you're still going to get your cotton. Don't worry, you're still going to get this like. So I know I actually know it's probably very hard to at scale convince people to think any of these things about veganism or meat, but I've had individual conversations with people about everything. You know, I was watching 12 Years a Slave. It reminded me of slavery, the whole story. And the point I find I get to in most of those conversations is the person goes, that makes total sense. I don't disagree. But man is meat tasty. Mm -hmm. And then they keep eating meat. And I think that that's an interesting place to land. What happens, the people that change their minds see the pictures. They see the images. And what most people know is that they'll talk to you about it. They'll talk to you for 30 minutes. Try to show them a documentary and they will run out of the room because mm. they know that's the leverage point. Mm. They know if they see the picture. And what, so what Cosmic Skeptic, I think, does purposely and very good is Tim on camera and then spliced in is like two to three seconds of B-roll of a farm. And it's not the most horrible moment that would get make you run out of the room. But it's bad. <laughs> you know, mm. it's like... And it's here, and it's here, and it's here. And I, I got to the But then he takes it away. But then he takes it away. Yep. So it's not overwhelming. Yep. And I think he does it on purpose, and I want to talk to him about it, because mm. I think it's pretty smart. Because uh, I watched it, and I, dude, I, while I haven't gone back, but I often am frustrated by my decision to not eat red meat and chicken. And I-, I Oh, think, yeah, I want, dude, I, I'm waiting for someone to- to convince watch me his videos that I'm wrong. watch his videos no no you'll I know. feel you'll feel good for 24 hours at least about your decision not to you'll feel really good about it and it won't tempt you because it's fucking horrific mm. like it is so disgusting and so horrible and you know it but it doesn't hit yeah. like when you see it and he he's got like the low audio he's just exposing you enough to it that you don't run away screaming i wonder if he experimented with that and saw like a huge audience retention problem so we can ask him yeah he just put up a 30 second horrific thing and saw the audience just bounce. disappear. Like, All right. Yeah. Well, I can't do that anymore. Yeah. I no, wonder if he has a story like that. No, And I've, I've asked people, I was like, I want to watch the Joaquin Phoenix documentary Dominion and nobody will watch it with me because the entire thing is about the brutality of factory farming. Mm. I can't get anyone to sit down. I still haven't seen it. I've been asking for a year. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. You just got to give a little bit of how horrible it is um, or else they won't stick with you. Got so, it. Uh, another random thing that is, uh, I thought was interesting and, and, uh, good intentions, I believe gone wrong. So there's this YouTuber Twitch streamer who's named Eugenia, Eugenia Cooney. Okay. And she is almost certainly anorexic and has been for years is, uh, very thin. Would she say that? No. Okay. But undeniable to, okay. To your eyes, like undeniably Eugenia Cooney, um, and people, I believe, with good intentions, have started this petition to get her removed from YouTube and Twitch because she's not taking care of herself mm. and they want her to get help. And she's. Oh, wow. Not- this is an incredibly skinny person. Yes. No, I think I'm, when I said wow. almost certainly anorexic, I'm just saying that she has not stated that. But is. Well, unless she has a, unless no. she has a sickness. Uh, no, she's like gone to treatment, but hasn't described it and all these sorts of things. Wow. This is the skinniest person I've ever seen in my life. Okay. So. Um, okay. I'm back. <laughs> That's, I mean, you don't, don't, you don't see that every day. Yes. The, uh, the 
petition is to get her down because nobody's getting help and she's not getting help. And hopefully this helps get her help. I don't like, how does this help get her help? You like, <laughs> she won't have gotta, money for food. Yeah. Oh, we want her to eat. It's, it's, well, she won't. I think it's ridiculously confused is my opinion. Like, okay. I agree. Like, you want this person to get help. But it's like, so you go to their employer and ask them to get f temporarily fired in the hopes that that's strong on them. Like, like you're going to collectively do this. And are you going to do this for overweight people as well who are threatening their own health? Like, at what weight limit? There's a TV show about the thousand pound sisters at this point. Uh are you like they probably shouldn't have a tv show because yeah, yeah. that's a choice but like that that the network makes well, to put it on it's interesting that they could do this for someone with anorexia because i do wonder if you'd run into trouble for fat shaming if you tried to do this for someone who's clearly obese i just I, the bigger thing is like you do not want uh these platforms protecting you like i am i'm so surprised at the power that people are eager to hand over to large organizations well, they're not creators though so they don't what do they care yeah yeah it's like it, just imagine if your workplace can fire you because they feel truly that you're yeah, unhealthy yeah but it's different you're unhealthy it's different though you ride motorcycles no, that's but it's that's dangerous that's all you're going to get you're just going to no but dude it's yeah. but it's different my I, job i'm not a public she's a public influencer i'm i just am what I am. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and you don't influence people through them seeing you every day or you riding a motorcycle no, and saying small, it's cool. No, it's small scale, dude. Yeah. Small scale. Yeah, and I agree. And, like, and, my, and just to be extremely clear, what she's doing appears to be extremely unhealthy, likely to take years off her life, if not kill her, and it might end horribly, but this is, to, in my opinion, petitioning YouTube to not have her on the platform for her benefit is not a precedent that you want to set up where YouTube is removing people that they think are unhealthy because it's a problem, you know? Um, and it's one thing if they want to make the argument for the what, what this individual is modeling for other people, which I can a little bit understand and, and get behind, but for their own benefit is, oh man, you just don't want other people knowing your benefits and and imposing that on you. Yeah, yeah. Like you really don't want a group of strangers telling you what's no, best we for you. Circle back to the book 1984. Yeah, like, which you can get to for free, by the way. I didn't even mention that. If yeah. you go to audible.com slash charisma. Slash charisma. You can listen to 1984 for free. Free 99. So let me see. I had a, oh, this is hilarious. I told you this, but it's so good. I've got, these are the two funny stories that I told you this week. Um, Forbes says, this just, this is a gas that if companies hire Trump's press secretaries, they're going to fact check them like they would fact check Donald Trump. They're going to assume that th all the things they say are lies. Makes sense. Which is hilarious. Yeah. So Forbes is uh, a news outlet. They're journalists. <laughs> they're and their job is to fact check every article they publish. It just implies, which is true. That they don't fact check yeah. PR people from companies, including Theranos. What are the other big ones that have lied to us recently? WeWork. They don't, they, well, yeah, and this they is, just are a megaphone. For people that don't know, <laughs> anytime you see those little, and we do it on our checkout cart because it's effective, but those, those little uh, Forbes, New York Times, Huffington Post, these articles or these outlets have basically somehow built up credibility. And now they just let anyone 
write anything. To be clear, to we get, didn't we didn't pay for this, but you can. You can no, pay. No, 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 but still, they don't vet. It's a hundred or 150 bucks to get an article on Forbes that is not fact-checked, that is not edited, that has no editor, and it can be on the Forbes website, no freaking problem. And it's just so funny to hear their editors admit that they don't fact-check what PR teams at companies tell them about their company. When Kylie Jenner said that she was a billionaire and it came out that, no, she's not. Yeah, when yeah. they publish these, how much money people have. They're it's just a, numbers made up. They're just great made up numbers. Though, hey, if you hire these people, we're going to do our job as journalists. Yeah. And we're going to make sure that what we publish isn't bullshit. Yeah. So you be careful. Yeah. I would. I hope everybody hires these yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, Forbes. I think maybe everybody needs to work for Trump. And then finally, we'll have, we'll have some journalism. Uh, but it's it was, it's like the Rolling Stones article, remember? Which one? The one where the UVA girl just made up a whole bunch of stuff and they didn't, didn't fact, happen. Yeah. And they didn't. Even, they were like, "This is great. Should this we look into so this?" So interesting. No, run this right it's now. This is amazing. It's totally. I don't want to know if this is fake. Yeah. Well, I think the big thing is you said their job, and I think what they would say, which is true, is our job isn't to fact check. We're not a news outlet. We kind of pretend to be one, mm -hmm. but we're a media company that just says stuff. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, oh, I agree. Like Sorry, our journalistic saying, standards are what I was saying uh, is if you very lax. Forbes, Huffington Post, yeah, uh, basically anything. Take it with a grain of salt. Well, this is one of the things I think that there's a uh, an unholy alliance, and you mentioned we participate in it. That is, Forbes deserves no credibility. They 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 really don't deserve any. Now there might be individual contributors at Forbes that do a good job researching, but as an organization, their name being on something like the Forbes Thirty Under Thirty, totally gamed. Totally bullshit. Oh, yeah. Uh, my buddy's on it. This is no insult to him. You, you apply and you do this. It's total bullshit. It's not the 30 people that are doing the most interesting things. It's, it's the 30 people that that played the system. Uh, we've mentioned that a lot of their articles are, are totally made up. And I'm sure that there's good stuff happening there, too. But uh, the negative crowds it out such that you can't really... Tr when you read something on Forbes, trusting it is foolish well just assume that this is a random person who might be who, really smart who might have done a good job yeah. and it also who might not have um but we and the other brands in including them in our like as seen on feed back into that bullshit credibility loop you know like, like they look at us and give us credibility and we feed it back to them and the truth is Neither of us deserve the other we should both cut ties and say like look this course is either good because it's good but cares if we were featured in Forbes and honestly I, I might make us go back and delete those things because this is just pissing me off to think about <laughs> like uh what a silly accolade to say that we have that we've been written about in Forbes but people think it's important I don't think they do I think if we delete it we sell just as many and well, we, can, uh, we can do that let's we can do run it. that test and let people know let's do it well, let you know let's uh, but even just as a test now that I think about it in life and I don't and I know that you're not liking that I'm publicly no, I don't mind. committing us to well, potentially losing money but like why would I take like if somebody that I don't respect complimented me why would I broadcast that like I don't need to be ashamed of it but why would I like we should just remove it I don't know I mean I don't know anything about them but let's say do you respect them no but let's say so Kim Kardashian who I don't know anything mm -hmm. about so I don't know if I respect her or not but Let's say she gave a video testimonial saying that Charisma on Command videos had changed her life. Yeah. You wouldn't put that somewhere? I put it up. I respect her more. No. <laughs> <laughs> As, no, but here's the thing. She's not claiming to be anything other than Kim Kardashian. Yeah, I agree. And Forbes is claiming to uh, represent important businesses. And they just, they just are not what they represent. In a weird way, Kim Kardashian is exactly what she represents, which is... 
Whatever uh, she is. Uh, whatever she is. Whatever she she's is. exactly what she represents. We can we can discuss further, but um oh, I don't mind. I'm not I'm not attached to those logos. Another thing, and we I feel like sometimes we do, I just love this stuff, man. The uh copywriting pyramid schemes. Love it. Oh yeah. Dude, you want to talk about so this girl? Good. Um yes. So I'll don't want to discuss too many details, but try to leave this vague. Vague. Uh know someone who purchased a copywriting course, which I think is totally fine. Learn how to copyright. Copywriting, for those of you who don't know, is how to write words on a web page or a newspaper or a billboard that sell products. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a skill. It yeah, is it a skill. Be, if you ever see a video Instagram ad, mm-hmm. the person that wrote that is a copywriter. Yep. A sales page, the person that wrote that is a copywriter. It's just someone that writes advertisements. Yes. And signed up for this thing, learned copywriting, started her own website. Cool, 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 cool. Has written some articles, but... Uh, recently was uh, said things like uh is writing articles on the importance of seo and so has articles on why seo is so important how good it is for your business and also um sales pitches for the service that she now charges for which is copywriting and discusses people who are silly for not seeing the value and how copywriting is so important to driving seo which is going to change your business Mm. these articles have no comments on them, which is to say, predictable. No one is finding this via SEO. Yep. So the pyramid is that this person is now telling businesses that what they need is articles written by a copywriter because it's going to get them SEO. But of course, has never ranked on page one of Google or two of Google for any competitive keyword mm-hmm. ever. And at least she's not teaching people how to be copywriters. That's coming next. I, <laughs> I, I almost guarantee you yeah. that's coming within the next year. It's, I agree. First, you have to fail at doing the thing before you start teaching it <laughs> is how it starts to go. Yeah. Uh, man, it is it is incredible. So I guess what is the lesson? Because I don't think that I don't think she's a bad person. I don't think she sees what she's doing. I think this is um, I don't think she grasps this. Well, no, we had this. So I'll, I'll tell another story and then I'll get to what I think the lesson is. We had someone pitch us their service on how to grow a podcast. So the very first thing that I did when I heard this was I looked up if they have a podcast and they do and no one is listening to it. Mm-hmm. So I said, no, thanks. Mm-hmm. So I think you're in a position to teach YouTube to the people who submit. Even What about charisma, Ben? Even though it's free. <laughs> oh, yeah, charisma. Dude. Well, you don't want me to list your accolades, but <laughs> Go ahead. no, you don't need to. I got some. I got some stories to tell about your charisma, my friend. Go f- well, well, we'll do that another day. But yeah, I understand. <laughs> what you're, saying. <laughs> you're like, please don't. Um, <laughs> they're good stories, though. One day. So yeah. So even if you were to charge, now I know you're doing a free call, but even if you were to charge, I'd say, okay, should Charlie give YouTube advice? Let's look at his YouTube channel. Okay, this is good. She is selling. How to write articles. No, no. She said she is saying what is she selling is articles that get people to come to your website. Exactly. So I would say, okay, does she let's have fine? Yeah. If this person has written articles that get people to her website or to a client's website, like yes. it's it's also okay. Like Daryl Eves is an example of someone. His YouTube channel itself is is good. Yeah. Uh, it's not as it's not big multi millions, but he but he has helped yeah. people with very big YouTube channels. Yes. And so that's someone who I would say, And take yeah, like head coaches of basketball teams that like, look, you Greg might, Popovich. Yeah, never set foot in the Dude, NBA. the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Never never was a fantastic NBA player. Some of them maybe never played in the NBA, but like, 
their clients speak for themselves. Yeah. And that, that's another al- he also, alternate. He might have missed the playoffs last year. I don't remember. <laughs> um, let me see what else we got. I got a question for you. Sure. So I was looking into it as someone who had COVID. I was curious what the reinfection rate is. Uh-huh. Turns out it's pretty rare. Yeah. At what point should the government say, okay, if you've had COVID, you can go back to work. You can go to a restaurant. You can pay to go to a movie. Because we've talked about this before. COVID has a cost in terms of people who get sick and people who die. But shutting down the economy also has a cost. If you walk down Third Street Promenade near where oh, we live. Oh, it's really sad. So many businesses are just gone. This this ice cream place that had been there for so long is just dead. This local coffee shop, the woman shut down indefinitely. She's hoping she can open up, but she was just taking a loss every day. And a lot of the people who haven't been evicted yet, that's just because you can't evict tenants during COVID, but they're they're down and out they're and done. dead. Yeah. Which isn't to say that a lockdown was always a bad idea or not. I'm not trying to get into this COVID, whatever. But we are where we are, which is to say we're deep past the first cases of COVID. We have a percentage of the population that basically is very unlikely to get reinfected. At what point do you let those people start going to restaurants, start working their jobs, start going to movies so that you're diminishing the cost on people's lives of all these lockdowns. Because it seems to me like the fact that that's not already happening is kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what do you, of course I agree. <laughs> you know, like, uh, well, it's weird. No one talks about it. I haven't heard one politician advocate for different rules based on people's infection. propensity for yeah. getting COVID. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's hard to track. I don't know. I don't know a ton about it, but yeah, it seems like we could have, we could do this more intelligently. And I think that there's probably people that could be out in terms of demographics. There's people who have, of course, recovered from COVID who are less likely to get it. There are, um, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it just seems, it just seems like the goal is make sure that hospitals don't get overrun, prevent people from, you know, I'm careless and I give it to someone else and their grandparent dies. But at some point you also go, okay, well, this person can't get it anymore. So... Now let's stop doing that other thing we're doing, which is destroying jobs, people's incomes, businesses. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just weird. No one is talking about making that policy, and it seems like we're overdue for it. Maybe they are. Who knows? Um, I don't know a ton about it. I the only thing that my only reaction to that is that just sad walking down the streets that used to be populated with stores and just going oh my gosh the bottom we haven't we haven't seen the bottom like this weird stock market thing that is happening is just not reflective of commerce being done we've talked about that amazon's killing it yeah (laughs) i will toss it out again the s p 500 is only made up of the 500 biggest businesses so every other business could go bankrupt and that could still go up yeah it's also not evenly distributed i thought it was 500 equally weighted stocks but it's not so in reality, if 10 companies are doing well and every other company is dying, the stock market could go up. So the stock yeah. market is just a bad metric for how is the economy doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. God, I got to stop saying you, you know what I mean. It's okay. I forgive you. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm talking about. I forgive you. So this is a last, I, I meant to say this earlier in the conversation. Perhaps it doesn't fit here, but we can wrap and then do questions unless you have anything else. No, I'm good. The rest is not time sensitive. And cool. I want to get to fan questions and Patreon. Dope. So uh, we've mentioned this in the past. Short term, the way that people understand the world is, and 
survive is by repeating what is repeated around them. Mm -hmm. So if you grow up in a highly religious community, you're religious. If you grow up in a highly whatever political affiliation, that's what you are. Well, it's not just how people survive. It's how it's what it informs what we believe. We believe what we hear a thousand times. Exactly. But your beliefs are just to keep you alive. You okay. know what I mean? Like, like you Sorry, evolve beliefs. Saying, it's, I don't think it's people saying it because they think they're supposed to. No, I think it's no, people no. Believing it because they heard it growing up. Yes. And I think that the it seems that the way we've evolved is to recognize on a fundamental level that what we need more than anything are social allies in our tribe. And yeah, there's people that say that the size of the human brain is just determined by uh, evolution's trying to expand our monkey sphere, basically. Mm -hmm. I said that poorly, but basically. I know what you're saying. An animal's brain reflects the size of its pack. And so our big brain was made so that we could exist in 150 person groups. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, that the most important thing is being accepted by that group, not having an accurate understanding of reality outside of that. So if everybody thinks that Thor is casting lightning and we need to sacrifice my neighbor. Didn't Galileo get put to death? Or he was, I think, under house arrest. But the point is, yes, you're making the same point, which is <laughs> uh, I'm going to, my brain is going to help me out by believing that. It's going to do me yeah. a solid and be like, fuck the truth. These people are killing people who disagree with them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let us help you become fervently a believer of what is repeated around you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so th that's just to establish that what you hear is what you believe, not what there is evidence for, not like if you just look at the, the fundamental beliefs in your life, is the things you have heard repeated the most times, or even worse, the things that ha don't need to be stated and in I, order to be true. And I think that they've done a lot of studies that show that if you are shown evidence to the counter of your belief, you will immediately very critically assess its validity. Mm -hmm. But if you are shown evidence that agrees with your belief, you will non-critically accept that as a good study or a good analogy or whatever it might be. You know how I feel about study show. But Arthur Ashe did the the uh, the line study or where where he got different sized lines, one that was this long, one was this long, and he had a group of people, most of whom were Confederates, say, uh, is line A or big B longer? And they would say, this is A, this is B. They go, ah, A. And the second guy would go, ah, definitely A. And the third guy who wasn't a Confederate, who was like, what the fuck is happening here, would more often than not be like, a. <laughs> and for people listening to the podcast without visual, A is clearly smaller. A is shorter. <laughs> so, so just to illustrate that, that people say what they need to and eventually believe what they need to in order to fit in, even when it's patently visually obvious that that is not the case. So just thinking about this with regards to social media, um, it's, a, it's just a tremendous amount of power to be able to control what is repeated. Sure. Like it is, uh, I don't want to say unfathomable. I think bigger than just talking because what I'm trying to add to this equation is it's not just what people say it's the fundamental truths that people believe about the world are not predominantly determined by evidence or the scientific method but by what they often hear repeated it's why so many people in North Korea I assume believe in the divine the divinity of Kim Kim Jong whatever well, yeah the surveys show that in the face of seeing violence around you decrease yeah. you will say and believe that violence is increasing. You'll just mm -hmm. think it's not happening in your community. Yes. So just to highlight everything that we had said earlier today is uh, my opinion that I am still unfolding and I'm open to changing is that we definitely need some things in America and the world nationalized. And this is 
contingent upon where you are in history. So there was a point at which it didn't make sense to have nationalized roads because we didn't have the resources for that. And these need to be private things that only merchants can go on, whatever. I like the international highway system. I like the lack, general, general lack of toll roads that we have and that you can drive on streets without paying a bill and that they're not owned by Amazon. Yeah, imagine what a nightmare it would be if you had to pay a toll every time you want to block. Yes. Or if uh, I like that parlor employees can still drive to their office and that they have not been restricted from the highway that would take them to their office because we don't associate because Amazon owns the highway and they don't want parlor people on that yeah. highway until being a parlor employee is a crime. Exactly. Until it's a crime. And the government says, then not only the highway, you're going to jail, yeah. which is a separate thing. We have these information superhighways <laughs> that are increasingly becoming more and more important that control what people believe. And I am seeing the uh, potential value in nationalizing some of them. And yeah. that's not to say, and I don't know about the social networks, but at least like the ability to have a website seems to be something that one would want to, and maybe not everybody does, but protect for everything that wasn't governmentally illegal, such that you did not need a private business to like you in order to do it. That's what I was just going to say. Just to be clear, you're not advocating that they would be completely uncensored. You're saying that they, they would, would just follow the, the laws the laws the laws yeah yeah because the government still would censor them oh and no we you, want you that. still can't do slander you still can't do you uh, can't put up child porn can't put up child and pornography you that, cannot no do explicit calls to violence like yeah. the government sets the rules but um in watching this go down and, and reflecting the on the power talking about most specifically is amazon web services pulling the servers for yes Parler? yes um, and then you can also explore it further with social media networks. But again, this is not a free speech issue that I'm making at all. Like I'm talking about this isn't protected under free speech. This would be an additional right like the right to drive on a highway or the access to public education or, or the well, things that the government provides for everybody, even if private individuals don't like you. You know what? I think people will have trouble accepting that. Mm -hmm. We'll say that they don't like what these people have to say and they like that it's being censored. And I think what's hard is to, is to say, what if you were the side getting censored? Because what they think is, well, my side would never be the side getting censored because my side is right. Yeah. So that's the issue that I'm realizing because I've been trying to figure out what exactly is happening in the minds of people. Mm -hmm. The people who are pro-censorship they do not put the shoe on the other foot because they do not think they are the same as the other side. They mm -hmm. go, there's a fundamental difference between my beliefs and that person's beliefs. And that person's beliefs should be censored and mine never will be censored. So I have nothing to worry about. Yeah, And I, and I guess the easiest way is like, do you think you'll always coincide with a Twitter and Google like or Amazon? Like that, it might be happy circumstance that you're there today, but there will be times when when you're not. Yeah, how much faith do you have in our politicians, I guess? Because you could, you know, you can imagine other places in time where you wouldn't agree with the government, yeah. like Nazi Germany. Well, this And is so it's like, well, I would never get censored. Well, what if, hey, I think Jews should have equal rights, mm -hmm. gets you censored and actually put in jail, mm -hmm. right? Well, that's impossible. That would never happen in America. I don't know, but now we're making it possible well you're you're to be clear you're talking i don't want you to conflate things you're talking about the government versus private industry that's different mm. the government isn't censoring people 
private industry is. And I want that right to be maintained. You do not have, I, I want freedom of association. So but it's not about if the government agrees with you or not. It's about, it's about if the people at Twitter agree with you or not. Parlor employees can go to parks no matter what. They mm. can go on highways no matter what. Their kids can go to public schools no matter what, even if everyone hates them no matter what. They get clean water no matter what. There are things that the government guarantees to you. Unless they live in Flint. Unless you live in Flint, Michigan. But that the government of America has said you get even if no one wants to associate with you. Mm. And trust me, there are there are kids that would not be allowed into private schools. Like that because they're so pro they, they cause so much trouble, they do all this stuff, or people just hate their parents and mm -hmm. they go, You can't go here. No, you can't go here, you can't go here, you can't go anywhere. Um the question is one, I think we all say, I like that. I like that these roads are are public, you know. And then we've talked about healthcare, like how much of healthcare should be nationalized. I think there's a good argument that more of it should, but I wouldn't say that literally everything that falls under the, the idea of health should, for instance, and this is an easy one, but like uh, breast augmentation surgery probably shouldn't be publicly funded. What about my mental health, dude? <laughs> yeah, well, again, that's what people will say is that this is, mental health. this is exactly people will say. So I'm I'm for the expansion of uh, nationalized health care to like to do some things, but yeah. not not it's not literally anything that could possibly touch the idea of health. And similarly, I think that I'm for the expansion of some sort of nationalized um, infrastructure that would allow for you to have a website that guaranteed your ability to have a website. Um, and I don't know how I feel about social media at this point, but yeah, man, a website <laughs> like somewhere that people could could find you um, seems very, very important. Yeah, I mean, I just get nervous, like I said, because I'm reading this book or listening to this book and recognize that at some at the drop of a hat, you might go from liking what's being pulled away from people's eyes to hating what's being pulled away from people's eyes. You know what I mean? Yes. And just keep in mind that, again, 1984 is about the government. Like what you want in 1984 is powerful industry to oppose them. And this is where I come back to is like, I guess the only thing to do is break up power put it in a lot of different places and hope that the fighting between them makes them a bit more honest, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, well, I'll come back to what I said before, which is I don't know how much the fighting there will be. Yes. In the next four years, it seems like a very cozy relationship. Yeah. So let's, uh, we'll see. Maybe maybe they'll repeal 230. Maybe they'll blow my mind. Uh, yeah, or maybe tech will get even more entrenched while they have a blue Senate and a blue president. Sure. And then maybe they'll make sure that the next president's blue too, using their powers. But before we go to questions... We have a sponsor. We want to thank our sponsor, Kettle and Fire. Uh, they are a delicious bone broth company. Actually, now that I have gotten more towards vegetarian, uh, it's one of the few animal products that I consume because I think it's ethical. No animals are slaughtered for their bones. So to me, it seems like a, a no harm, high nutrient, high protein way to eat ethically. And I have it every day for lunch. I make a lentil soup with it. So it's great if you want to get protein that's dense in micronutrients, that's good for you. And honestly, it's awesome because it just takes two minutes to microwave. So I suck at cooking. So <laughs> it's a really easy way for me to make food. You can get it at kettleandfire.com slash Charlie and Ben. Justin, what's the special deal we have? Do we have one? Yes. Yeah, so the code is CNB, but and is an ampersand mm -hmm. instead of and. Is there a discount? There is 20% uh, off. 20? Oh, I don't even do that. I've been, I've been doing it since before they sponsored the podcast. So I'm paying full price. I, I want that. a refund. <laughs> Come on, guys. I don't even get this stuff for free. But no, it's great. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I highly recommend it. I think Bone Broth is great for you. I think the company is great. 
and they have a lot of different options. You can get just the soup. You can get a chili. You can get uh, all sorts of weird keto friendly stuff. I'm not keto, so I haven't looked into it, but tasty, healthy good- and, and, and in our opinion, ethical because they're not contributing to the increased demand because it is it does come from animal bones. But um, we know the owner and he says that, look, that we're th- these things are thrown out all the time. The demand is nowhere near the point where we would kill a single extra animal to get these. It makes no economic sense to kill anything for their bones. So you're basically, you're kind of like the Native Americans. You're just making sure Mm -hmm. you use every last piece. Yes. And it's great. It hits every buzzword. It's Mm -hmm. keto. Mm -hmm. It's paleo. It's good. So kettleandfire.com slash Charlie and Ben. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. First question is, you guys are fantastic. You talked about whether or not being informed is good. I think you guys really hit the nail on the head that being less sure is the best solution, but it's really important in a democracy to have informed, have an informed voting population. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the facts are, but how can we figure out what they are in order to make a decision? It's a great question because I, to me, I actually think the problem is that we have what people who think that they are an informed citizen. And they vote based on misinformation that they think is accurate. So uh-huh. I don't know the answer, but this is a great question. How do you inform yourself as a voter? Well, I wonder, like, presumed in that question is that the most important person you vote for is the president of the United States. And perhaps the most important person you vote for ought to be your local municipality, gov- uh, mayor, et cetera. Oh, yeah. I definitely, after this pandemic, realize it's all important. President's important. Mm-hmm. Senator is important. Congress is important. But so is mayor. So is governor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so you can still matters. participate in your community uh, and be an informed yeah, you know Democratic funny? voter by participating in your community. Yeah, you I, have, like, <laughs> I have a much stronger sense of what uh, Mayor Garcetti is up to. supports yeah. because I've had to live through his yeah. policies. And I mean, you you santa monica you have a, a an increased understanding of because you at least see a bit of it during your day and you know whether or not they clean up or, or what the deal with homelessness is and and if it's working and so you you have more firsthand experience so i do think you can be informed and the question is i want to be informed and i have the opportunity to vote in a 300 million plus person nation what should i do with that and what i do is go I kind of just abdicate and go, there's no way that I can that I can know what is going on well enough. Plus, I got two options, and I'm not particularly pleased with my impression of either of them. Yeah, Inst- but what about primaries, for instance? You could impact who the two options are. Yeah, I guess here's the deal. Then, then I get to uh, cost-benefit, and I go, okay, look, I'm not sure that Africa even exists. I've never been there. <laughs> you know, like, mm. it might not. Oh, we went to Tunisia. You did go to Tunisia. Okay, so I know that Tunis exists, or at least that's a small part of it. Um, but that could just be an implanted memory. But it seems to me that Africa exists, that it's an incredibly poor place, that one of the huge issues that they have is water, and that uh, there's not a lot of money being put into deceiving me that that is the case, mm. right? That, that there's not a lot of interest in making me feel that. In fact, there's more interest in just kind of keeping that out of sight. So if I want to make a positive impact in the world, what I could do is think about water filters or think about solutions to that or work inside of Charisma on Command, take that capital and give it to Charity Water, who I believe digs wells, but you're, again, they could just steal all the money, which is always, and I only say, I don't think they're doing that. I say that for the, the fans who understand that I'm coming from a place of total skepticism of everything, mm-hmm. not, a, not a particularly Charity Water. Um, but it seems to me that that's, where I, that's my higher leverage point rather than you're casting a- time 
let, to get fully informed would take you a certain number of yes. hours, and those hours are just better spent. Do it on Charisma on Command. And take that money donating. and try to help. Got and, it. And, and feel more confident that I did a good thing, that I helped, that I participated in the wider world community. So you're in general, you don't think voting is particularly important. So this person's question is, how do I be an informed voter? And your answer is? Well, I guess my question is, how do I? It's, impo it's important to recognize that you live in a larger context and to help. Is voting the best way? Which is the time spent informing yourself? That's well, your question. Okay, if voting is the best way, then I need to inform myself, which is wrapped up. Sure. Got it. And so I... And, and you I've, think yours is make money, give it to Charity Water. That's one of the ways. And also like impact the people around me. Yeah. And talk about this kind of stuff. You yeah. know, that's that's where I come down. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a good answer. I mean... Obviously, if everybody felt that way, no one would vote. And so you can't have that philosophy applied to everybody. But as an individual, you know that people... Well, if everybody aren't... felt that way, there'd be no water crisis in Africa. Yeah, yeah. You know, like... Every... Well, no, we, well, we've talked about this before. If everybody made a YouTube channel and nobody worked on a farm, yeah. we'd have no food. Then I'd go work on a farm and make a ton of money. Right. You know, like... Yeah, so, you know, the, it's, it's, it's weird. It's... I'm not making decisions for everybody, yes. but there's more. there's room in there for, for people to... Uh, there's room for more people to care less about politics and care more about charity. By the way, I'll even nuance this. If you live in Georgia, go out and vote for your senator. <laughs> if you live in California, focus on getting water to people. Exactly. Yeah. And that I I might feel differently if I lived in Georgia for a hotly contested runoff that was going to come down to a, a couple hundred or thousand votes. I, I I might approach that differently. That also flip the Senate, which can have a dramatic impact on things. Yeah, it's funny, actually. It's, this is the weird thing about our system, and it's not even an electoral college thing. It's a Senate thing. So I don't think anyone dislikes this, but it just happened that the people who live in Georgia, a couple hundred of them, their opinion matters so much more yeah. than mine. Yeah. <laughs> because to your point, their Senate race was actually close, and it determined who had a majority in the Senate, which will determine a ton in the next yeah. four years. Apparently there's more Republicans in California than in any state in America. And they, they don't, just don't vote? No, they don't count. They don't matter. They don't get represented. Oh, oh, oh I see what you're saying. They get no they senators. Up, I see what you're they saying. Get, they, they make up a minority of California. Yes. But as an absolute number, there's more Republicans in California than any don't other. Don't need state. to discuss how broken the the all of the Electoral College and that is, but yes. Yeah, so anyway, I guess I would just nuance Charlie's point that if you live in Georgia, you should vote. Yeah. But if you live in California... Perhaps, perhaps take the time to to dig into it. Don't sweat it. Donate to charitywater.com slash charisma. <laughs> Next is, my question is, you guys reject most sponsors that reach out to you. But from a utilitarian perspective, do you think accepting a sponsor you don't like or disagree with would be worth it if the money they paid you could give 1,000 children clean water? In a consequentialist framework, wouldn't the bad or immorality of, or of accepting a sponsor you don't like be supplanted by the ability to save lives and provide clean water to children? Would the ends justify the means, or is something like that too inherently immoral in and of itself that its consequences are irrelevant? Great question. The that math would, is off. but That would be a lot of right. a big yeah. no, sponsor. No, 30000 Uh It's 40 bucks. Oh, 40000 $40,000. Yeah, that, I mean that that would he's be more off by he's off by a, a multiple, but not by that much. He's off by many multiples, guys. Don't 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 go crazy here for charisma command. Yeah, that's a big difference. In any event, we're not at forty. But no, it's no, not, we don't make forty thousand a sponsor. Anyway, we are fortunate 
that we have our own product, which I think is amazing. So I never have to worry about the moral dilemma that you're posing because whenever we don't have a sponsor, we promote Charisma University and enough people join that economically just as much water gets given to people in Africa. Because we can still earn the money. But because, let's let's confront the question, assuming that that wasn't well, no, the case. But I just want, so I'm just saying, this is, the, this is the reality of the situation. Yeah. I think it's a great question. And it is not something that we've ever actually had the rubber meet the road on. Mm-hmm. Because whenever we can't get a sponsor, so we turn away sponsors, even if they're good sometimes, actually, because I like promoting Charisma University. Yeah. And so that's just the very fortunate place that we're in, is our course lets us be a, not relying on sponsors the way that most YouTubers are. And so no matter what, we can fund wells in Africa. Yeah, so let's let's run this through. So somebody comes to me and says, you know what, I'm not even gonna give you the money. I'm gonna give $40,000 to Charity Water. Mm-hmm. You just gotta talk about my product. So there's another analysis that that needs to be run through, which is long-term versus short, in addition to yeah. the consequentialist, which is like, okay, so I recommend your product, which let's say for the sake of argument, I don't hate, but I'm not in love with, and I don't think is great. It's like, okay, and I do this. Now I have sold my audience and I've taken the trust that they have in me and I've directed them towards a subpar product for $40,000 today. My question then from a very consequential standpoint is could I not have built trust, recommended better products and raised more than $40,000 in net present value over the duration of my business by becoming a trustworthy person and take a Tim Ferriss as an example. Right, well, there's two, because there's two options. Mm -hmm. One is the one that I would do if someone said, I want to give $40,000 to Charwars. I'll speak honestly about your product. Yeah. You're not going to make a positive ROI. I I cannot get you more than 40 grand of revenue with the the lukewarm endorsement that I would give to something I don't actually like, Mm -hmm. right? So then that's why that doesn't work is because that would be how I would do it. If I were willing to oversell it, then what you're saying is I basically take this thing that I think is mediocre. I say it's amazing. People go to it and they make money because I've pushed people to it. Everybody recognizes that this is mediocre. And now none of those people will ever listen to me again in the future. So it's just a bad way to raise money for charity water over a 10-year period or a 60-year lifespan. What these people are essentially buying is the trust that your audience has in you. And if Mm -hmm. you, what's interesting is if you do a good job, that trust expands and it goes from being worth $40,000 to being worth $50,000. Yeah, ideally someone would take Charisma University, think it's amazing, hear me recommend Audible, and go, go, that guy was one for one, take Audible, go, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. Now I can listen to books while I drive. When I recommend the next thing, Kettle and Fire on this podcast, they the trust is still there. So they get kettle on fire. They think it's great. So I still, I have this person who's willing to follow along with my recommendations because they are only good. Yes. And so everybody's better off. That per, the, the listener that I care about is better off because they're only consuming things that are good for them. They're only spending money on good things. We're better off because over the course of our lifetime, we make more money. The brands are better off because since I can endorse them enthusiastically, they actually earn more than they give us. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the framework. Yep. So in sum, there are definitely times when I would lie, but it's this isn't one of them. So if the Nazis were banging on my door, do you have any Jews in the attic? And Frank is up there. I'd be up there, I'm, dude. I'm going, I'm going to lie. I'm going to lie to them. But from a consequentialist framework, I do think that sometimes people underestimate the long-term downsides of lying because they're not obvious. But the trust that it destroys has a cost. And 
it's non-zero and it adds up. And in many cases, you play for the long term, except when there's Nazis. <laughs> well, that's then, still, still playing for the long term. Yeah. Isn't that Naval Robert Khan's biggest piece of advice? He, just think he long sa- term. Yes. He says all self-help boils down to think long term. So there you go. Great question, though. Last one is. Oh, wow. I'm not doing a lot of questions today. <laughs> Only a short period of time. We got patrons. Oh, yeah. How many Patreon questions do we have? We have 27. <laughs> Quite a lot. All right. All right, guys. So I think, so just so you guys know, we've we've done every patron question. I'm going to say, starting now, I don't think we're going to be able to commit to doing that. We will set a time limit. We're going to do all these today, but at, I think, either 60 minutes or something, maybe, maybe we'll go over for a little bit, but uh, we're essentially doing two podcasts every time we sit down. Yeah. So if you want to, feel free to join Patreon. We love you. We are definitely going to continue to do this, but... It has gotten, we appreciate it. Yeah. It's gotten crazy in there. Yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, we'll still have Justin in there. Joining Patreon will still give you a very, an, an very hour likely chance of yeah. extra content. And a very likely chance that your, your, your thing yeah, is Yeah, I think what Justin's going to do is potentially look at who's asking questions, right? And yeah, so why don't see, we try just limiting it to like one question a month per person? Yeah. Is that, uh, like that. Is it a and lot then, of repeats? Yeah. People tend to. The question to askers repeat, are the yeah, question yeah. askers. Yeah. Okay. So I we'll do that. that. So if you join Patreon, you get an extra hour every week. Mm-hmm. So if you like hearing our thoughts, mm-hmm. you get an hour more. And we guarantee we will answer one question a month, any question you want. For the time being. And, and hopefully it gets bigger than that. Or if it doesn't, that's fine too. But that's our new Patreon. That's still our good. new Patreon. It's still good. It's still good. Just I like it. Can't be here all day. <laughs> okay, let's do the last one. Yeah, especially <laughs> 7 o'clock at night right now. Uh, what do you think of the theory that nuclear weapons have been the reason for no major conflicts? Basically mutually assured destruction. Uh, no major conflicts amongst whom would people be my nukes. yeah people with nukes. So nuclear powers sorry, don't I? don't tend to fight. I mean, we we clearly didn't go head to head with Russia. We kind oh yeah. I, so sorry. I guess you want to ignore like the wars in the Middle East and Africa and that. Oh like, no, the I, just, I think acknowledging that we didn't go head to head. You do not tee off against another nuclear power. But the people with nukes, China's going to get Hong Kong. Russia fucked with Ukraine. Yeah, we're in. Uh, we're in the Middle East and Africa just has a ton of people dying all the time. Yeah, Congo Congo has been pretty bad for a long time. But, but yes. So the question is, how do I, do I believe that the reason people with nukes aren't at war with people with nukes is because of the nukes? Is that the question? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it seems, seems probable. <laughs> it seems highly likely. Now, how long will it last? I don't think forever. I do think it's a strong deterrent, but I don't think it's a perfect deterrent. Um, yep, that's my thought. Cool. Yep. All right. Time for Patreon. Patrons. Questions. Thanks, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. We're going to hop over Patreon right now. If you want to join, link is in the description. Any dollar amount gets you in. Um, really? Yeah. Oh. What, what else would it be? I don't know. Anyways. So you can give a dollar and get a question answered. No, well, it's, it's $3. So it's, uh, there's, there's, there's tranches, if you will. Got it. Um, so yeah. Hope that you guys decide to join. If not, hope that you enjoyed the podcast. Peace.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.